This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Dan grows a beard and an axe and takes on God of War. Oh no, my Tolkien! Andy dives into his Middle-Earth power fantasy in Shadow of War. We talk 420 happenings and goings-on and step back into the beloved CRPG Neverwinter Nights. The Witcher is hitting the silver screen. The NorCal Cannabis Cup goes sans weed. Is Sea of Thieves the new EVE Online? And we look at ways to make your smosesh, smosesh, smoke sesh more so and High Times' article of the week. We'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh of our own with our strain and our munchie of the week, so stick around for that because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always is the one, the only, if I'm the backbone, he's the front bone, Dank Dan. Brace yourself, Andy. We're about to jump to tight speed. I'm firing up the blunt drive. Ooh, girl. Fancy, fancy, firing up the blunt drive. Dan, if, if we did have a blunt drive upon this fictional starship, what color would it be and in what shape would it exist? Uh, it would be a, a dark herbal. A dark herbal. A dark herbal. A dark herbal. Yeah, herbal. I've been, I've been get, yeah, herbal. I gave the P away to your mom, so it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> dark herbal sounds like a Star Wars villain. Oh, dark herbal might be our new custom cannabis blend. <laughs> dark herbal, it's not bad. I actually got to admit that one. That one rates for me. Yeah, jot that down. Uh, PDSQ TMTM contract copyright. Okay, great. You know, someday soon we'll all be able to have our own weed strain. Um, you know, anyone who matters, like the Purple Dungeon Squid, for example. And when we sure. do, I mean, listen, we got to go with the obvious Purple Dungeon Squid Kush, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's mm-hmm. the move. Right. Um, but I feel like. What was it? Dark Herbal? Dark Herbal is the second one. That's for sure. You know, I want to know, how do we get that distinct smack of space cephalopod really into the weed? Right. Um, like, how do, we, how do we achieve that? I think maybe we're the first seaside grown uh, Marahoochee. Seaside grown Marahoochee. Yeah, it's like we find a nice peninsula. Maybe it's near Baja. I guess I guess we're in Canada, so we could pick a coast and just make sure it's getting that sweet salt air. But like, I, I just feel we like got, we got no Bajas up here, my dude. We got some not lobster a Baja traps. Site, sure. Yep, we got some. We got some stern, ornery old fishermen. We got yeah. a few tugboats. There's some yellow hats there, and mm-hmm. um, some folky Newfoundland music. But we ain't got there's a some, Baja in sight. There's some coves. There's some Peggies. Oh, Peggy. There's uh, there's some uh, nor'easters. Yep. Hey, are you familiar with uh, the aviation uh, called the puffin, the bird? 
Sorry, the Avian. Yeah. The Avian. Yes, I am. I am. Actually, I've seen a puffin. I took a cruise up to Alaska as a young man and, oh, uh, and saw some real puffins. Nice. Nice. Well, this is a puffin based podcast. And so we'll drop a little puffin knowledge here. The puffins actually have a, a beak that glows under blacklight. Is that right? Yeah. Puffins, cat urine, my prison tattoos. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, guys. If you are joining us for the first time, this is a weed and video game podcast where we're going to be talking about some weed and some video games. Dan, what do you think? It's right on the mark. All of both of those things will be happening simultaneously uh, and in no particular order. Um, and, you know, so Dan, let me let me ask you, my good man. It's been a good uh, been a good week long since we chatted. What have you been up to? What have you been getting down with? Uh, well, you say good week. I say uh, so so. Uh, you know, I, I, I've had a little bit of of, of kitty problems. You know, kitty, if you're having kitty kitty problems. Yeah, if you're having kitty problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got one black black kitty, and he can't pee. So, oh, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, yeah, he's you, dealing with it. He's got an obstruction in his urinary tract. It's a good oh, time. So we're oh. trying to work that out for him. He's currently. Um, just licking the business like crazy. I hope As one does. I hope it's helping. Yep. You know, um, I hope that's going to uh, uh, ameliorate his issue, but for for not. We're, we're, we're feeding him some some custom potions here, so I just hope uh, I hope he gets better. I hope everybody sends some well wishes out to my, my sweet black cat, Baloo. Baloo, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're hanging with you, buddy. We, we got you in our thoughts. Now let me ask, you got any CBD going on for him? I feel like CBD is a thing that a lot of people are doing for their pets. Yeah, no, I I got some gentle opioids for him though. Oh yeah, good, good. Just going with the going with the easy stuff then. Yeah, you know what? It's uh, let me see what the uh, let's see what the vet has has peddled to us here. Xenoquin. Uh, Xenoquin. Yeah. Sounds like a Mass Effect villain. It does. It sounds like Xenoquin would emerge from a, a nebula with. Untoward thoughts towards the human Xenoquin's got a pure obsidian star base in the uh, in the interior of a dying sun. He's gonna let the women live, though. I sense that about him. He is a feminist yeah. in the truest sense. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, and for that reason, we can permit him at least fifteen minutes of screen time. Um, no, that sucks, man. It's always it's always a bummer when you got a kitty on the down or a dog on the on the downstroke. Um, that being said, I feel like I feel like you know a urinary tract situation. He can move past that. He can he can rally. He can rally. You know, I feel yeah, like uh, I feel like when you're when you're in a dire strait like that. Step number one, lick the business. Step number two, CBD. Step number three, profit. See, I didn't know that you could give uh, a cat CBD, and uh, I I guess I should have googled that mildly. Now I don't have any CBD oil kicking around the house, but I will shortly uh, once my my medicinal delivery from Broken Coast shows up. Yeah, well, I mean, so I would specifically actually. There's a lot of pet stores now. Um, little, I mean, actually, I don't know about little little known fact, but there's a lot of pet stores right now that are stocking CBD for pets because um, everything from like an anxious an anxious dog. Um, you know, an animal with kind of a nervous situation going on, uh, all the way on down to pain management for like geriatric animals, um, arthritis, what have you. Uh, even I don't know about appetite stimulation. I may be cross. I might be thinking a little bit about um, folks who have used THC with their animals, which is ill-advised because animals can't actually process THC at the rate that we do. So if you're listening, don't give your dog straight weed. Bad idea. Um, but yeah, CBD, CBD has become pretty readily available for animals, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's probably an avenue to look at at the very least. 
That's that's fascinating, and uh, I'll have to look into that and put that in my quiver. Uh, maybe I'll swing by and check that out tomorrow. Um, yeah. it, there's a there's been a lot of uh, advancements around what they're they're allowing CBD to to be used for, and they have clinical trials going on with with kids that benefit from CBD right now too. So it's it's on the rise. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, man. It's a good thing. Another good thing is my dear friend has recently cooked me up a batch of weed cookies. I got to be honest with you. This is my very first voyage into the world of um, of homemade edibles. My experience prior to this is like some gentle THC gummies, right? Nothing too crazy. Um, these weed cookies are loaded. So he put in a, he got a magic butter machine recently. Have you seen the magic butter machine before? No, you've told me about it though. Yeah, so it's it's a cool little device. So basically you just toss your weed in there. You toss your straight weed into the magic butter machine. You toss um, some normal everyday butter in there. You leave it for like, I think it's four to eight hours. You just push a button and you come back to weed butter straight up. There's no, you know, sifting or I remember we made weed brownies in high school at one point and it was like a scientific endeavor. I felt like we were cooking, I don't know, meth or something ridiculous. It was real bad. So I'm super happy that now it's like a normal everyday cooking device. Looks like a rice cooker. Feels a little bit closer to the experience of baking with weed. You know what I mean? I do. It feels like a product that Martha Stewart could have on her countertop. That's right. uh, Snoop Dogg sent it to her for Christmas and uh, now she's handing out picnic baskets full of wonderful kush laden brownies to, to everyone's delight. Mm-hmm. At ease. Oh, yeah. Kush baked goods. Mm, it's a good thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And Snoop, Snoop Doggy Dog knows a good thing or two. Um, but yeah, I'm really stoked to give these a try. So he told me that, you know, here's the thing. I really want to go light on edibles. You know, when someone's making me edibles, just shout out to the, the world at large. I'd like, you know, my ideal situation is I can eat four cookies and be reasonably baked. You know what I mean? I don't want like the one cookie where you have a bite and you put it down and forget to eat the rest because you're in such a in such a galactic voyage. You know what I mean? I want I want to have that that sliding scale of a I know that I can eat up to four cookies and be good. And B, if I get hungry, I can eat another cookie and it's it's going to be okay, you know? Because I feel like that's the real danger about edibles. When do you stop eating? Yeah, you want to kind of know where the deep end is and you want to approach it with, you know, the gentle embrace of a YMCA pool, not with right. the drop-off of an, an Olympic pool. You don't want to be... Uh, up to your ankles and then 15 feet underwater, you know, radioing for help from the bottom. Uh, You want to walk into it gently. And, you know, I've known that I've gone too far because by the time I was finished this cookie, it felt like I'd eaten a a bag of grass clippings. Oh. (laughs) You know, the, the, the ratio of herb to oatmeal was way off. I see. I see. They, they didn't bother to make can of butter, right? They just t- <laughs> tossed the weed straight in the batter, called it a day. It, it, I, I think they just roasted it and then and then right it didn't it was not a buttering situation and i would uh, i'd give it a, a one out of five stars right well, that could because, have been uh, so there's a process known as decarbolizing don't quote me on that one but i'm pretty that's sure that's right. what it is and it's You're just on top uh, of it yeah it's just activating the weed by applying heat because your body won't inject or won't absorb i guess the thc unless it's been decarbed air quotes so a lot of people have taken to eating decarbolized weed which to me is freaking disgusting because it's basically the same shit that comes out of your vaporizer you know when you're done token on it um for me it's not not necessarily the direction i want to go if you do it 
all the all the all the best to you. But it's the kind of situation that I would want to chug down with some water, not bake into a cookie. <laughs> you know, not mm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. Yes, sir. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's been a dude. It's been a pretty tame 420 weekend. I was expecting, uh, I was expecting a little bit more, a little bit more action. But it seems like everyone, everyone's all grown up and a little bit too busy for that kind of stuff these days. Yeah, I think it went over pretty gently, uh, and I didn't hear about anything, so it must have just been uh, smooth sailing. Who yeah. knew that uh, uh, that a, a weed activity would be super mellow? You know, I just I'd had high hopes for this 420 weekend. You know, I'd envisioned <laughs> high a, hopes. I'd had high hopes. You know what I mean? Um, and I will say that 420 finally broke this like horrific cold snap that Toronto had going on for the longest time. So, you know, full praise to the Most High. See what I did there? To to, to mighty jaw, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, so I spent most of the weekend moving my board game collection upstairs. I'm actually looking at the Dark Souls game. I don't know if you've seen that. I mean, obviously we're a video game podcast here, not a board game one, but there is a Dark Souls game, and it does look pretty legit. I'm not gonna lie. Now, how does it replicate the crushing uh, defeat of a Dark Souls death? Does right. it? Do you have to throw your wallet in a tar- in a garbage can, or how does it? Well, there's an emulate that it comes with it comes with a flail. So there's some self-flagellation that happens mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. your failure. Um, right. And, you know, really, there's just they've baked in a little bit of public shaming. It's a group activity after all. But no, for real. I mean, this is a game that that simulates the let's call them pretty tense boss battles of the Dark Souls games um, in, you know, on a on a, a square, a grid based map, if you would, um, and kind of abstracts the combat through this interesting little card system. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling it. I'm uh, we, we may we may have something to say about it at a later date if I want to pony up the hundred and twenty dollars for that uh, that reasonably expensive endeavor. Yeah, that's uh whew. That's a fourth of the way towards a PlayStation Pro. Yeah. Well, I mean, I won't be buying a PlayStation Pro ever so you know i feel like it's money well spent but um but yeah what did you what did you end up doing on like we listen we 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 had plenty of grand plans for 420 but again it was a little quiet what about yourself what did you uh, what did you get up to i don't want to like bum out the whole crowd but i was dealing with with cat fiascos and uh and it was it was it was not awesome <laughs> yeah got you uh, it was pretty weak sauce to be honest with you so i ate two pounds of wings smoked on a little bit of star killer and passed the fuck out but maybe that's la- everybody's 420 la- i don't know yeah la di da i don't like I, i'm trying to think of like who's the who are the people that are having a crazy i want to have a crazy upbeat 421 year just you know adventures multiple locations you know that's what it feels like it should be it feels like it should be a harold and kumar go to white castle experience and i've just not had that ever really it always ends up being a little bit too late get the spark on go to bed well those guys did end up in a guantanamo style prison so maybe there's like a a middle ground that you can strike there i mean i'm listen i'm i'm willing to do a lot of things for an adventure um I mean, like, what are you doing? Okay, let's 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 ask a different question because this year's 420 seems like it was a little bit of. <laughs> what do you do? Here's the question, Dan. Here's the question for the for the record. What are you doing next 420? <laughs> here's, here's the here's the question. Next year, three things. Your ideal 420 go. Uh, I'm going to thumb wrestle Sting <clears throat> to a stalemate. I'm going to declare that. Ahead of time, it'll be a, a, actually a, a tantric thumb wrestling match, and we will will battle for hours until we uh, call it a draw. And I think how do you hot, how do you top that? Really, I think that's it, right? And I, I it, the 
the thing with Sting is that it's also a staring contest. Right. So you're not looking at the thumbs. You're making unbroken uh, eye contact with this uh, melodic man. And uh, it's a challenge in there. So uh, Fun the fact, only way to go... We're born yeah. on the same day. So really, we could you thumb and wrestle Sting? and be the same thing. Yeah, me and Sting and Mahatma Gandhi, same day. Wow. Wow. That's pretty prodigious and random. Uh, <laughs> when did you realize uh, that you had the same birthday as Sting? I feel I like was, that's something that your mom lets you know. And I was like 11 years old. I read a book about, you know, famous birthdays, obviously thumbed through to mine, which is October 2nd. Um, and uh, yeah, I was greeted to that little bit of pleasantry and my ego has been insatiable ever since. Top 10, top 10 books that would never be made today. The Book of Famous Birthdays, (laughs) just defeated by the internet. Yeah, no kidding. Um, That guy ran away like a bandit with that publishing deal. He sure did. Now, you went one way with it. The way I would have gone with it, sharing a birthday with Sting, I would have felt like I had to work my whole life to live up to the Sting name. But what Mm. you said is, that makes Sting and I brothers. His accomplishments are my accomplishments. I'm going to start playing a lute. I'm just a very confident man. I like that I about say? you. I like that. Like I actually said, exciting. I said exactly that to a former flight attendant. This is a, this is a little bit of a, a, t- a little bit of a rant here, but I was on an airplane, no. airplane recently. Um, and I've never, I, I very rarely have public altercations. You know what I mean? Uh-oh. Maybe it's because sometimes in public I'm baked. <laughs> so that's sure. helpful. But yep. um, but no, generally speaking, uh, in public, I'm a pleasant person. I don't like ruffling feathers. Very polite. Um, this one time, though, I jammed my luggage in the overhead bin, right? It's one of those mm-hmm. situations, full plane, red-eye flight. I'm not checking that piece of carry-on. So I jam this sucker into the overhead bin. There's like, at the by the time that I end up finished jamming it in, I've got like five people staring at me. I swear there was a little bit of a golf clap by the time it was all said and done. I'm feeling pretty good about myself feeling a little cheeky. This woman stands up and she goes, um, excuse me, I'm a former stewardess and that is not acceptable. And I'm like, I'm a pretty confident man. I think it's con- or I think it's acceptable, right? I'm just I'm kind of playing around with her. She she walks up to me and proceeds to give me like a 45 second verbal lashing about how Mr. Confident Man is going to get half the plane killed after it falls out of the air and the overhead compartment bursts open and my luggage falls onto their heads and breaks their necks. And I was like, Number one, <laughs> that's terrifying. We're about to embark on a flight. And if you truly are a former flight attendant, you've caused nothing but mass hysteria in the back of this cabin. We're all very uncomfortable right now. And secondly, I'm really not removing my carry-on, man. Please sit the fuck down. Now, so that- <laughs> I'm, I'm at the edge of my seat about how this resolved, but let's unpack it first because there's a lot there. Now, this lady, key point, former flight attendant, mm-hmm. right? So she's she's been there. Now, what I'm hearing is that while maybe she had uh, a pretty regular tour of duty uh, in the skies, it sounds like things broke bad at least once. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, sound, like as you're, she sees you standing there, you're jamming your, your, your luggage into other people's luggage, destroying laptops and, and souvenirs. No, no, abound. it was gentle. Take it easy. Uh, Take sir, it easy. sir, I have the floor. 
<laughs> and, <laughs> and and she got flashes back. It's flight 227 in Minnesota. Little Timmy's sitting beneath this overhead bin. A man of your uh, similar stature is jamming something in. The, pank, uh, the plane banks right. It falls out, crushes him. Juice box goes flying. It's just a tight shot on that juice box. Black and white through the air. Timmy, no! It flashes back to you putting his like... You have no idea what you're doing. You don't know what I've seen. Yeah, well, I mean, I figure either she's, you know, been involved in a pretty serious event, and this is where the authority is coming from, or she's playing right. armchair pain in the ass. And I'm going to go with likely well, number two. Armchair flight attendant? This well, is, this is attendant. her court, and court is in session. Court is she's in got, session. She's got two more hours to relive her glory days. Now, Andy, um, I got to hear, what was the classic way you, that you defuse this situation? No, no, no. This is the best part is I'm a diffuser. I'm a diffuser by nature. I like to bring things down to an acceptable level and, you know, level with a person because I can see the humanity in everyone. But here's sure. how she ends the conversation. She goes... I can't wait to see you in Vegas. <laughs> oh, she layered a threat in there. She, she's pretty And I'm at a loss. I just, I have nothing to say. Like I'm sitting here one minute. I was jamming my bag overhead. The next minute I've got threats, presumably on my life or at least on my well-being. I don't know. So I sat down, uh, turned on my Nintendo switch and promptly forgot about her, but she hustled out of that plane in a hurry. I guess, I guess perhaps her adrenaline had calmed down. <laughs> And by the time we were in Vegas, she wanted to hustle out of there without making a scene. Uh, I mean, the Xanax kicked in, probably. Yeah, that bar went deep. Ugh. <clears throat> by the way, now, Xanax, Andy, epidemic. Kids, if you're, you're listening, well, stop taking those. Take pre- don't take that shit. That is bad for you. Also, bad, bad, also bad. Uh, children, we're not doctors, nor do we play them on TV. So uh, none of this should be taken as medical advice or opinion. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We should, uh, Andy, we shouldn't just be randomly taking people off their prescriptions. Uh, talk to your doctor. Maybe talk to your it. doctor. It'll be, it'll be wonderful. Now, that's Andy, it. I played a doctor in their... Call of Cthulhu once. Did, how'd that work out? How did? Uh, I mean, I was I was ripped into the seventh dimension by an elder god, but other than that, it went pretty well. I feel like that's the kind of legal recourse we would be looking at if we continued <laughs> along that that line of of inquest. Hey, boy, a, can you imagine Andy, how much now, less crime there would be if the punishment was eternal damnation at the tendrils of like I don't know, shy halud? Yeah, yeah, you know, I I wouldn't leave my house. <laughs> uh oh, we got a shogoth in the Ooh, in the space right got now. A, got a shogoth in the basement. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um. Well, yeah, so apart from that uh, that useless comment about thumb wrestling sting, I'll, I will say legendary. Legendary comment about thumb wrestling Thank sting? You. Yeah, there you go. Um, two more things that, that you want to do next year for 420. Come on, Dan. Give uh, us something good. Uh, fire a very specific gun. That's a t-shirt gun into nice. an awaiting audience. Nice. And a uh, hot air balloon ride. Hot air balloon? See, this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. Here's what I want. Number one, fried chicken sandwich. Don't care where it's from, but that's how I'm kicking off the day. Number Easy two. Easy opener. Mm-hmm. Number two, I want to go to a dollar store, buy some kaleidoscopes, wear them on my face for the whole day. Crank, cranking no- it up, getting a little bit of Lucy in the Sky with diamonds. Give me one more. You got it. You got it. Number three, fireworks show. I don't care where, Ooh. but it's happening. Now, uh, are you going to try and find one already in progress, or are you going to foment... A fireworks display listen man if there's people doing it i'll join in if i got to bring the party myself i've never been a stranger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beautiful i like it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ah daniel 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 um you know what buddy uh i want to shift gears here a little bit because this is an important important question there for the purple dungeon squid audience now 
Dan, we've been talking about doing Twitch for uh, for a little while now. Getting a little Twitch channel started. Yeah, yeah, like I'm a little I'm a little sauced up on Twitch culture. I'm not really getting it because it seems like it seems like you know getting into Twitch. It's a lot of self promotion, which is fine. I mean, yeah, both of us have no we're, no we're no stranger to talking about ourselves. But um, you know, it, it's like what are we gonna what can we possibly bring to Twitch? What do you think? Um, opinions. Mm-hmm. Sass, mountains of sass. Yes. Um, a reverence. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. Yeah, let's let's. So I guess we take like our podcast format. We get in the game. We broadcast that live. That sounds like fun to me. I just want to hear like, listen, if you're out there in Purple Dungeon Squidland and you want to hear Dank Dan and I jumping into a game of some sort, getting that game fired up, presumably playing or maybe just lazing out on the couch with a with a big old bong you let us know um dan quick what, what games do you think would be fun for us to stream you know i've been we've been talking about it back and forth and i was thinking maybe maybe we go to the roots maybe we start a little bit old school and do something crazy like chrono trigger like an rpg playthrough right like like a full playthrough but the question is is that too long format and is like the new hotness do you need to be for your audience to be winning does somebody else need to be losing does it have to be like a multiplayer format to really have that that edge i mean i feel like you can have kind of two tacks on it right and you know most of our media life is focused around a chill environment a little bit of a chill zone some some banter some free chilling, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, the other side of the coin is, you know, the the highly touted, very skilled gamers, of which you may be one, but I am certainly not. Um, that you know, that are are razor sharp with their triggers and are crushing through Fortnite, and you know, end up challenging Drake or whatever the hell. Um, and that that almost certainly will never be us, or again, will never be me. So yeah, I feel like we go with more of a chill thing. I think that you know, the RPG element could be good. I feel like a couch co-op could be good also. We could do a little, uh, little like Halo. I mean, that would be that would be the easy one. We could do some Divinity too, you know. Mm-hmm. Could do mm-hmm. some Div- Divinity too for sure. Um, yeah, some other kind of co-op RPGs might be a fun fun experience. Yeah, I can get down on that, and uh, you get, and then you get us both in the action at the same time. Um, oh, Street Fighter I, Showdown for sure. Oh, Street Fighter Showdown, but can we handle the tears? I've, your the public, tears? The, I mean, let's say for the sake of argument, maybe. Uh, yeah, I remember very distinctly, um, just around the time of the beginning of this podcast, you and I almost came to blows over a Street Fighter match. It was pretty incredible. It, it, that got jacked quickly, and I think it was it, it was a little bit of the set and setting. We, this was when we were playing in the back of an abandoned warehouse. It looks That's like true. the the jets were gonna you know uh, show have a showdown with the sharks at any moment, and so there was a tension in the air. Yeah, it was like a little West Side Story vibe going on. Yeah, the hard, cold, concrete ground uh, did nothing to uh, soften the vibes, the blows that were occurring in the space. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, we've come a long way since then. I still have an, an ever everlasting yearning to eviscerate you in Street Fighter, so we can definitely toss that on the Twitch stream. Um, you know, I mean, we could do the obvious Fortnite duo. I feel like that would be that'd be some solid good times. 
Yeah, that could be entertaining. And now, yeah. would this be like a split screen situation? Like, I don't know it, how it works. Split screen Twitch? I don't think that that's a thing. You can, yeah, you can remote invite people into your Twitch. So like you and I could theoretically be in different places uh, and I could pull you into my Twitch session and people could see our, our screen side by side, I think. I feel like that's the way it works. Our technical mastery is certainly ready for this experience. We're yeah, going to get in amazing. there. We're going to have our legions of followers queuing up for the stream, and there's just going to be a, you know three hours of fucking around. Uh, at some point, a blunt will come out. There'll never be video, but it'll be a good time nonetheless, I think. Did you say there'll never be video? Yeah, probably not. I think, I think you got to. I think that's a requirement. <laughs> I guess we can get on board of that as well. Yeah, well, listen, hit us up at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com if you have any suggestions on our first Twitch games. Um, yeah, I think I think we can safely say we can get that channel going by, what do you think, end of May? End of May, uh, Dank Dan? Yeah, a, a, a premiere episode, the first one ever. Now, are we talking about a weekly thing? Because, uh, I mean, some people just quit their whole job and and that becomes their job they do nine hours of streaming is that no, you that's, think that's on the roadmap for sure that's the plan i mean i've already submitted nice. my two weeks haven't you um i've submitted my 23 years right that's when retirement rolls around <laughs> oh i mean like guys listen if i wasn't clear before ensure that you tune into the purple dungeon squids twitch channel because otherwise my kids won't eat Pro, pro gaming. Tune in to see Andy's wife divorce him live on Twitch. I'm <laughs> the, leaving and I'm taking the children. <laughs> oh my goodness. God forbid. God forbid. And um, I got I to gotta just throw one last little bit of shade. One last little bit of shade. So there's a lovely community on the interwebs called Reddit slash trees. Slash oh, Andy, what about the humanity? Do you not oh, see their humanity? So much humanity. Reddit slash trees <laughs> is a wonderful community of stoners talking about stoner related things, sharing photos of their bongs, of their recent hauls, doing all sorts of fun above board stuff in the name of weed and good times. And they have a pretty strict no promotion policy to which I respect that. But I got to say. We've got no sponsors on this podcast, none to speak of. You know, we're a, I'd like to say that we're a for the community kind of podcast. What do you think, Dan? It's a charity, if anything. It's a charity, Frank. I mean, listen, we're, we're in it for those dollars if you want to spend them. But you know, until the point that that's the case, we're here for the community. And, uh, you know, on 420, we had a 420 episode come out, tossed that up on r slash trees and promptly got b-b-b-banned. B-b-b-banned. They were like, hey, we like what you're doing with the podcast. It's very cool that you're doing a podcast thing, but get the fuck out and take your shit with you. So, Eddie, you got onto your keyboard, you got onto r slash trees, you said... Hi, hey, future friends who would like to check out my brand new podcast. Yep. It's fun for everyone. And they responded, you get the fuck out and take your goddamn podcast with you. And then they went back to their little jerk. They went back to their drum hammer. circle. Back to their drum circle. And uh, that was it. So no disparaging to r slash trees. You guys are beautiful people. But mods, come on. Come on. Come on. I'm sorry, sirs, to dis- disturb you with my my bothersome podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> and that's as good a time as any to transition into our sponsors. This episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Weed and Video Games. Paying the bills, not paying the bills since November 2017. <laughs> also brought to you by Stale Bong Smoke. It's the kind of flavor that said, you missed the boat. But you still got to get to that island. Oh, uh, yeah. Brought to you by the Taco Bell Aftermath. Oh, God. 
Oh, God, it's everywhere. <laughs> Brought to you by Adult Disciplinary Spanking. Because Andy's been a bad boy. <laughs> that is some nightmare fuel. It's uh, upsetting, to- isn't it? No, oh, upsetting. Brought to you by third-party controllers with flaccid joysticks. They got limp way before their time. <laughs> and finally, brought to you by being just a little damp. Am I wet? Am I cold? Am I wet? What is it? What is this? What is it? it smells like what is this, grape soda? Ugh. I got to tell you, there's nothing more upsetting than just just being a little wet. You know, maybe maybe you went to a, a public bathroom with a slightly overzealous tap. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, you turn that tap, and all of a sudden, psh, your whole shirt's covered. Not good. Not That's, a good scene. That's not how I pictured it, although I, I'm totally with you on that. It's like that moment where you like sit on a thing and for a second your brain is like, is that cold or is that wet? Ooh. Am I wet or am Ooh. I cold? What, which, there's like an indescribable fear when you're in that space. You're like touching it, touching it, touching it. Like your brain's trying to figure it out because it's not very good at ter- telling the difference between cold and wet. Oh, like yeah. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's just cold. Maybe it's wet. I, do I have a problem? You're trying to decide how much of a problem you have right now. And like not to get too ridiculous, but mm. in that situation, do you ever just give it a sniff to figure out what you the situation is? You have to. You have to. You got to give it a to. smell. You got two options. You've already touched it. You already have it on you. You can either go back and do a deeper touch such that if you push against whatever is damp, whether it's yourself or the thing you've sat on, that a little bit of liquid will pool around your hand and then all all mystery will be solved. Or you go in for the sniff. And I submit, you got to go for the sniff because otherwise you're dumping both feet into the quick stand when all you need is one toe in. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And wouldn't it just be cruel justice if the liquid ended up being chloroform? <laughs> it's the perfect it's the perfect way to kidnap someone. Hey, does this smell like chloroform to me? Well, actually... Uh, if you want to actually sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. Oh, Dan. Dan, Dan, Dan. Dan the man. That's me. I'm yeah. here. You're here. You're right here. Time. I'm here. I feel pretty. Oh, oh buddy. So shitty. Hey, but I know you're having a tough week, man, but bring it up a notch. Oh, challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Oh, yeah. And then pass pass my pettings on to little Baloo. I can feel that I pain. I can see that pain. I can feel that pain. I want to hug it. I want to hug it away. He's, he's so in so much pain. He's got like a dopey look on his face where he's normally just a rambunctious scamp. And uh, it saddens me. It yeah. saddens me. I got you. I feel you. So what'd you get up to uh, to playing this week, man? Any uh, any hot fibers? Any hot fibers that you popped in oh, the tray? I think any any of our close and dear listeners knows exactly what I got into. Ooh. You can hear its call on the wind. <laughs> well, I'll let you get into your little uh, your little Nordic slaughter fest in just a moment. Um, but I actually jumped into Shadow of War this week. So this is one that's been sitting on my shelf for way longer than it deserved to. I picked this up, I think, uh, I don't know, GameStop, well, the Canadian equivalent, EB Games, um, had, a re- had a sale on this back just before the holiday season. And so Shadow of War has been sitting in shrink. I, every now and again, I can hear the fall-off beating of orcish drums Right, and I figured uh, as a 420, this was the uh, this was the the final opportunity for me to pop it in the tray, chow down on a little chicken wing, and get going. So I played and enjoyed the original Shadow of Mordor, um, and this feels so just just to kind of spoil everything. This feels like a, a just a much more in depth version of that game. 
Um, Dan, you played Shadow of Mordor 2, right? What did you think of that one? Uh, man, like you said, uh, a great game, very engaging. You know, I, I poured a ton of time into it. All the systems are tightly packed. The combat, if you've played Arkham Knight, any of the Batman games, it, it really borrows from that. It's made by the same studio. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's a combat system that works and is satisfying and has quick pace. And it's got all these beautiful uh, Lord of the Rings veneers on top of it. They integrate the fact that you kind of shadow step with this elven undead ghost wraith that you're merged with and uh and really makes use of that so to hear that they put some polish on the brass of that game and just sort of made it better i mean that's an exciting prospect yeah so i gotta address one thing that you said really quickly there which is the um which is the middle earth veneer and i gotta say that's probably the number one thing that that takes this game down a notch for me like the Tolkien nerd inside of me, and I am a Tolkien nerd at heart. I love Tolkien. You know, it's a great, great bit of work. You can go in there for the entertainment. You can go in there for the broader picture of what Tolkien means to say and express about fantasy and about life. Um, and, you know, there are people who devote literally their entire lives to studying up on Middle Earth. It's a real thing. Uh, that being said, the way that Shadow of Mordor approaches Middle Earth is quite hilarious. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and it kind of makes me question. This game could have easily been any of a million other fantasy games. Could have been D&D, you know, could have been, hell, Game of Thrones. Could have been any other fantasy veneer. And it feels to me that I got a bone to pick here because it feels to me like Tolkien is probably the least appropriate IP for a fa- what this is, which is a power fantasy, right? Um, bit of work. Because the whole game is about slaughtering orcs, Slaughtering orcs and dominating them and taking over strongholds. And that's cool, right? Especially if you're like, if you really resound with the Peter Jackson vision of, of, of Lord of the Rings or of Middle Earth. But it, A, can't be further from the source material of what the world is all about. And just the wanton violence and dominating orcs is just so not Middle Earth. The other thing is, you're talking about what the, the elvish wraith who possesses, who possesses the main character, right? Yeah, Celebrimbor? Yeah, so Celebrimbor. Oh, man. Here, I'm putting on my deep, deep nerd hat. Oh, Andy. Buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. Celebrimbor is actually, he's actually the original, um, the OG elf that forged the elven rings of power. This mm-hmm. motherfucker did not forge the one ring. That was Sauron, the evil lord. And the beginning of this of uh, this game opens up on Celebrimbor. And I got to say, like, again, I enjoyed this game, but the opening cutscene for Shadow of Mordor, or sorry, for Shadow of War, was a, like, I had no idea what was going on except for the stark revelation of Celebrimbor and this main character forging a second ring of power in the fires of Mount Doom. That's right. <laughs> That's right, Andy. Lore forever fuck? altered, except your newfound lore. I like I vomited in my mouth a little bit. I vomited in my mouth, and then Shelob is like some sexy, shape-shifting former lover of Sauron, and not you know a giant evil spider. It it the whole thing is bending my brain in half, and it begs the question: Why the hell is this Middle Earth? Am I Maybe, being pedantic? I don't know. Can I ask you? Can can't she be both? Can't she be in both? this third age? Can't a woman be both a grotesque spider and the lover of a dark lord? I, I mean, 
I think we're ready for that, aren't we? Listen, I am all for I am all for empowering women with whatever they need, but being a to sexy, be shape shifting, evil. <laughs> evil lover of Sauron, I don't know. That's right. I don't. Does it matter? The games. So again, spoilers. The game's fun, but does the so Tolkien, Andy, I'm, I'm does the Tolkien veneer make this any better? Purist. I mean, it's not even that. It's like you know, you, you sit there and you go, okay. You can make a million and one games and you can apply a license to a million and one games. But I got to say, Tolkien is the one body of work that fits into the most narrow band of what fantasy is because it's got some pretty clearly defined, you know, boundaries. If you want, you know, reckless slaughter and grim dark and, you know, dominating elves and working with evil, you probably want to go like, I don't know, Warhammer fantasy or something like that. If you want spells and magic and and you know high fantasy you probably want dungeons and dragons if you want to play lord of the rings you want like cozy smoking a pipe by the fire you know maybe having a little bit of combat every now and again just to spice things up but mostly meandering through fields and fleeing from witch kings you know what i'm saying now now, andy there's games like that is there like for the lord of the rings mythos and i mean we should put a note in the journal here when we played Lord of the Rings online, did you find Andy deep in the barrows uh, fighting the undead? Nay. Was he on top of, uh, you know, the walls of Helm Deep uh, rebuffing the, uh, the onslaught of orcs? Nay. You could find him as the blue bard of Bree in the prancing pony 23 <laughs> hours a day playing his loot. Now, I get that that's, that's like an experience and it's pretty cool, but... I wouldn't have played that game as much as I would have thrown it as hard as I could into the garbage. Because, I mean, if I wanted that, I could just go to a Renaissance fair, right? Yeah, dude. I mean, okay, so roll it back. I'm not saying that you can't have vicious combat in Lord of the Rings. Again, you look at the Peter Jackson films. I like the Peter Jackson films. You know, I'm a Lord of the Rings book fan, but I'm, I'm into what Peter Jackson did with this thing. But this is like next level, man. This is like arcade Lord of the I don't even know how this this property frankly got a license and here I am sounding like pedantic oh, and insane no. like a like, super neck beardy I get it I feel you <laughs> but it's just like how did like how did the Tolkien estate which is notoriously tight with what it with with the um, agency that it gives to its to its licensors how on earth did this game get made? Because it is Andy, so let, not Tolkien. Let me pitch it to you, man. They turned to them and they said, we want more Lord of the Rings, but we want, it needs to be totally new. Shake it up. They want that new shit. The relationship, the, it, you know, the, it's, it's become tarnished with age. Try something new. And they liked the first one so much, they said, one more time, but can you push it to 11? Yeah. And Take-Two Entertainment said, you wait right there. Yeah. <laughs> we go talk to my boys to the Brimbor. Oh, looks like there was a second ring of power. Oh, there can he does not share power. He does. He, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. J.R.R. is having a fever dream in his grave. Terrible. Well, let me tell you something, uh, Andy, that maybe you didn't consider. I'm just going to pitch it out there. Maybe Aragorn was a pussy. Yeah, I can get on board with that. So <laughs> j- j- jumping into the game... Um, 
full disclosure, I'm I'm only about I'm only a couple hours into the game. Uh, just started in on 420. I had a nice elongated play session, so I haven't I haven't popped into the the game storyline for any length of time because I'm doing my very best to stray away from it. Um, so I don't have my own opinion about the missions yet. But what I do know is that they're mandatory, and by and large, they appear to be pretty dry. Like most of the internet is is pretty ch- uh, pretty not pumped about the missions. What you're playing this game for is the Nemesis system. Which is freaking sweet. It's 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 you know a, a much improved version on the first game version of the game, right? Where you've basically got this super random generator that'll spit out a billion and one different varieties of orcs with thousands of potential strengths and weaknesses and quirks, and they remember you and they foster grudges and they have different ways of attacking you and coming after you for vengeance, right? And they have fortresses and they have chiefs and you're basically rolling around Mordor and taking down these guys one after another or dominating them and recruiting them to your cause. And so it's genuinely a sandbox of of, you know, orc slaughter and destruction where one minute you can be, you know, facing down with a fur covered orc that can only talk in strange muffled sounds and then being chased down by his brother after you've killed him who wears a torch on his head and you know tries to assassinate you from the from the the shadows as you go about your life, right? Golden. Yeah, so it's got it's got some really cool systems going on, and from what I understand, it's really just the main storyline that stops you from diving in and enjoying all of the systems all at once, which seems like a shame, but right now, I'm having a ton of time laying down some pain uh, in, this, <laughs> in this orc world. Um, like you were saying, the Arkham-style combat is fun, man. It's, it's just like you never get tired of the myriad ways that... Celebrimbor and his host can go about decapitating eggs, eggs, orcs, <laughs> decapitating, <laughs> decapitating Somebody's eggs. Somebody's getting know. hungry. Somebody wants eggs. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a fun time. I'm looking forward to kind of traipsing through and, and getting a little bit more into the stronghold taking. Cause I, I understand that's where the game really shines for right now. I'm liking it. The graphics though. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. They're pretty ho hum. Have you seen these guys? Like it's not so good. Really? Uh, I mean, is it about where the last game was at? Yeah, it's about the, where the last game was at. It really feels like I'm looking at a PS3 title, which is strange. I, I don't know if it's because... I mean, I can't imagine it's because I don't have a PS4 Pro or whatever. I, I don't think that that's the issue here. I, I imagine it's because there's a lot of stuff that happens in the game. Like, the game engine is is making calls on the fly every second. So I guess that's why you know the graphics aren't as amazing as I'd love to see. Anyway, well, it's re- and rendering hundreds of models, right? Yeah, so it's fine. I mean, I'd, I'd rather have the gameplay elements anyhow. Um, I mean, is it a game that I'll beat? Definitely not. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not in. Well, I'm not in for, you know, for the it's, it's quite lengthy. I'm not in for that ride, but I definitely will enjoy jumping in, taking some forts, smoking a J, beating down some orcs. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's that's my path on this one. And they have some content coming. So as of July, they have a big DLC pack coming. Have you heard about this one? Uh, yeah, I heard something was on the horizon. Yeah, well, not only that, but they also removed the microtransactions. Um, I want to say a month or two ago. So there was, mm. yeah, there was a bit of a, an uproar about microtransactions, which didn't really impact the game. It was along the lines of like um, Ubisoft and their Assassin's Creed approach. But it, you know, it was it was kind of 
cheesy. You could buy really high quality orcs, which sounds weird, but that's what most of the game is about, right? Dominating progressively better and better orcs until you have this elite strike team of green skin goodness, right? Um, and so yeah, they've removed that because they they uh, their press release says that it wasn't in the spirit of the game or the Nemesis engine. And so, you know, I can respect that. Um, and yeah, they have some more content planned, uh, an overhaul of the end game and stuff all planned for release in July. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to dive in and, and see where see where I'm at with it in July. This is one of those games where I got distracted in the world for quite some time. And what that did is kind of stunt my progression through the story. And I find that a lot of the skills that the the ranger picks up in Endgame really open up the game to its fullest. So, you know, it's it's interesting for, for someone who can't get that far in the game isn't interested in putting that much that much time in it's almost like you don't you only get one of the like a small version of the game you don't get the full enchilada because i really felt like when i was in the third act i was in a new part of the game the game had become became like its final form uh and it's right. when i when i found it the most enjoyable although the the early game was fun it's when it was on the biggest scale that's when i dug it the most yeah yeah and i mean it's a game that it, so last week we talked about emergent gameplay, right? Games that give you systems so that you can get in there, get dirty, and like come out with some pretty memorable moments in game. And admittedly, this is something that I love to see happen in a game. It's something that's fun, especially if you're playing alongside a buddy who's also playing the game, and you can kind of banter back and forth on the neat shit that you saw go down. So I'm very much, I'm very much into that. And at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what kind of barrier the, uh, you know, the storyline. And again, from what I understand, it's pretty rote missions, um, plays in terms of, in terms of getting me, uh, through the game to, to that mid or even end game area, you know? Yeah. Yes, sir. Too dry for Andy, eh? I don't know about dry. I just, you know, there's a lot of games to play, my friend, a lot of games competing for the attention. And, uh, speaking well, of and a lot of games, Andy, for me, there's only one game. Oh yeah, and that—that that is the God of War. Oh man, I'm so excited! So I'm so excited to hear you talk about this game because obviously the last week has been a flurry of very positive reviews, very beautiful screenshots, and people losing their minds on social media about its excellence. So please don't keep us in suspense. When I first heard about this game, I shuddered, you know, because I'd played all the God of Wars that had come out for the PlayStation. Um, I, I think it's seven in total, but, I, you know, I didn't play the handheld ones, but it had a lot of releases. And the way I felt about it was this. Good game. Been there, done that. Right. I enjoyed them. I beat them. They were fun. They were unique. They had their own mark. And I had done everything I needed to do with Kratos. I'd smashed all the heads. I had, I had, uh, I had ravaged all the women. Everything that needed to be done had been done. Uh, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't need any more. And that's kind of where I sat on it until the first peaks of this game started trickling out. And I was like, oh no. Not only am I going to have to play this game, it's going to be the game of the year. Oh, and uh, yeah. Now so, I, I will remind you: you did have a game of the year announcement last week. We've already gone that deep on Far Cry Five. Now, what I said is that Far Cry Five is the game of the year until God of War drops. Right, right, right. There you go. There you go. Already, okay. Already, already, already dug out that little niche because <clears throat> this game pushes all my buttons. So first and foremost, the game is one continuous, unbroken shot. That right. is to say, 
there's no loading screens there there's there's no uh um cut to this cut to that you're looking at kratos through his eyes over his shoulder the whole game and it gives that unbroken cinematic story feel and the word for me is flow when i'm playing it everything from the the visuals to the 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 orchestrated music merge seamlessly to peak the story you know the, the music swells at just the right moments in combat and during the story uh the beats and it, it, the game so far keeps it simple like it's a story about a father trying to impart uh the wisdom he needs to to his son so his son can survive right um and his the father and son are very very different people and they both just lost a, a wife and a mother and so there's this there's there's a it, the game is a little bit tender and then pile on top of that some of the the most sort of brutal but realistic combat that we've we've seen to date so kratos is all about these uh really big over-the-top attacks in previous titles you know chains that go eight feet and all that uh, i'm sure right. you recall yeah no I, um, I i definitely recall that they've brought it back but just enough you know you so far i'm wielding an axe and a shield and while kratos is powerful um you know his movements seem reasonable to how you'd wield those weapons uh, but still with that Kratos spin, like he, he can throw his ax probably about 400 feet in the air he, and I call mean, it back. Like, realism, forward. really, if we're talking right. about, yeah. Like, and, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those things where it walks the line, like it's fantastical, but you can also accept it. You know what I mean? Sure. No, I get you. I get you. And I mean, that's like, obviously Kratos is a character of myth. So you, you know, you want to be able to see that, that craziness going on. I like though, I don't know something about the Norse element that they brought in you know the viking aesthetic that they have to this game as opposed to the greek mythology thing makes it just seem a little bit makes that myth a little bit more exciting exciting to me you know it seems a little bit downplayed compared to the insane wanton mythology of 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 greek myth i don't know that do you know what i mean i do and it's something that i was refreshed a bit about because they described it as a reboot and I, I'm only a couple hours in, so there's there's not much in the way of spoilers I can give you. But what I thought that meant is that they wiped clean uh, the slate of Kratos' story. But what I'm getting is we're we're joining Kratos in a the fa- a different phase of his life, uh, in a latter phase where what's what's transpired previously doesn't seem to be totally erased. It's still there, but Kratos has just moved on. He's a different man. Uh, but you know the the way they they play this character is brilliant. He speaks uh, monosyllabically. You call your son boy most of the time, and you'll find yourself saying things like "boy, be silent." Oh, and like like putting on your bedroom voice, Dan. Well, I hope not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, and your son is very much like a still tender, still learning. You know, you walk him through his his first. Uh, his first hunting experiences, and I don't want to give it away because there's a lot of lot of fresh players that haven't jumped in yet. But uh, I, I'm it's one of these games where I'm five hours in. It's just opened up into the open world, and I both want to r- run through the story and do all the side quests. And that's never happened before, Andy. I usually want to do one or the other. Right, got you. No, no, that's 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 neat, man. And it, you know, it looks like the kind of game that I could really sink my teeth into. Um, I. 
I tend to need a little bit more direction in my action RPGs. You know, I tend to need a little bit more of a, a strong character and a strong storyline in order to make my way through a game without losing track and um, what have you. And, and yeah, I think I think this this definitely has the aesthetic that I'm looking for. Yeah, good news. It has that in spades. It, they've tweaked a couple dials as well. Um, the combat is such that you're not going to see as many creatures on the screen. So far, it won't be 12 and 20. It's you know it can be between one and 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 five usually um, at any given time, and that's because the individual enemies are challenging. Now, uh, that being said, I've put it on the second highest difficulty. I thought I would give oh, myself such a, a little bit of a break. I, you know, it, I have died a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> but a single enemy it, is deadly. Um, and a pair of them can be extremely deadly. Um, it's one of these games where you have to be facing the guy to block or right. to carry. Uh, so you're 50% exposed. And um, you I know, like that like you brought that up and flying in the face of Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> <laughs> right, I just hold the dodge button and I'm phasing everywhere. Yeah, that's and it. the combat is just fast enough to be exciting, but just slow enough to make all your moves clear and deliberate. You know what I mean? But it's like it's like you met like it's like you met your dream girl at the Burger King on Friday, and you're telling me all about her. <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like you're having a real a real moment with uh, with God of War, and you know as is the rest of the internet. So you're not alone in that one. Um, you know I'll have to see it for myself to to see the level of of reverence that I'm picking up from what you're putting down here. But it, so- it definitely sounds definitely sounds appealing, as in yeah. appealing the dead flesh from the quarry uh, that you hunt in the Valhallen wastes. Oh wow, epic! Ah uh, yeah, so. So Andy, does that mean you're going to come take a little peek at uh, at God of War, at old uh, Chateau Dank Dan? Yeah, maybe, maybe so, maybe so. Um, so what do you think, Dan? Is it uh, 420 friendly? That's the real question here. Um, I'm going to say no, um, especially because uh, the combat difficulty is is such uh, a challenge. Right. Uh, I've been I've been playing it straight. Now, perhaps uh, you could set it on um, easy Andy mode and, and huff a bone, and maybe that'd be fine. Yeah, I, I definitely would go easy Andy mode. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I'm not a I'm not a sucker. I, I I can I can deal with a little bit of difficulty in my games as long as it doesn't feel arbitrary. As long as I know that I was bested by that group of two enemies that came down and laid the smash, I'm cool with that. Now, and I, I poke fun, but the, the game really does make it okay. Like, your easy mode says, I want the story, and I I, I, I want to work through the story. Right. Uh, the normal mode is like, I'd like I'd like a little bit of a challenge. The next one's like, I'd like a real challenge. And the fourth difficulty is, give me God of War. Right. Please <laughs> Which, melt my face off. Uh, exactly. Get, make, punish me again and again, Father. Ah, yeah. Some of that adult disciplinary spanking we were talking about. Tremendous. 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 Well, Dan, it sounds like a good time. I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to hear your full thoughts on it after you inevitably master it and make it, make it your, your girl next week. Um, dude, I, I want to head over to the smoke stash, but I have to tell you about a purchase that I made this week that I'm so unbelievably pumped about. Okay. So did you, did you ever play the original Neverwinter Nights? Neverwinter Nights came out for the PC and shit, I don't know, 2001, maybe like a long, long, long time ago. Yeah, I remember dabbling through it. 
Yeah, so Neverwinter Nights has recently been re-released uh, under the Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition by the same folks. Sorry, I can't remember their names. Um, the same folks that redid Baldur's Gate. They redid Icewind Dale recently. These are obviously classic, classic uh, computer RPGs from you know the late 90s, early 2000s. And a lot of those titles have come out for iOS. A lot of those titles have come out for Android. You can play the mobile now. All of that's very cool. But Neverwinter Nights is a unique beast because Neverwinter Nights, when it came out as a story-based CRPG, was an absolute dumpster fire. <laughs> it is the one of the worst storylines um, that I've ever played through in a in a computer RPG. And I was, you know, the, I picked it up. I was a young lad. I had, you know, barely two shackles to rub together. Diehard Dungeons and Dragons fan, so disappointed by the the initial campaign, um, didn't love it. So, I mean, did you have a similar experience? Or I I can tell you this: I didn't finish it. And right. So that means like a game's got to work hard to like sour me off its milk, especially around the time that I played it. So uh, yeah, I think I I hit a story wall and I went deleted i mean like not finishing a game when you're of that age we're talking about like you know school aged high school aged that's that's a thing right because the the barrier to entry into getting a new game with limited to no money (laughs) that is a that is a for you to put down a game it's got to be truly bad and so the original neverwinter nights campaign not so good whatever I ended up playing that game over the years since then, probably more than I've ever played any other game. I'm going to put it out there. And the reason is because over the years, um, Neverwinter Nights was iterated on with several expansions, but most importantly, it's probably got to date, to this day, the best modding software out there. So you've got what's functionally uh, an RPG engine that's simple, right? That's done in the flavor of a Dungeons and Dragons and that an entire community of modders can very easily plug into and make storylines, make modules to play. Um, and, you know, this remastered version is based off of the Diamond Edition. Uh, there's a couple, you know, enhancements available. It's, it's now available for Mac also, which is really exciting because I'm a Mac gamer. Um, but it's, boy... I'm excited. So the mod support is still unparalleled. Still the best, in my humble opinion. I'll tell you about that in a sec. But let me ask you, like, I don't know, Dan, if you're if you're a mod guy, no idea. Um, I know that you've been a computer gamer for a long time. And lately, you and I both tend to skew a little bit more towards the console world. But what's more appealing? Here's the question. Here's the question. You ready for it? A great game with no mods or a shitty game with extensive mod support? Go. Ooh. You know what I mean? Mm. Can, can you can you bookend it by giving me two examples? What's a great game with no mod support? A great, great game, game with no mods. I mean, like, listen, you could you can take your God pick. of War. Right, sure, you can take your God of War. But I, I, what mm. I mean, I, I, let me let me let me focus the question a little more. Right? There's there's this there's this space that I find so exciting in games like Neverwinter Nights, like Morrowind, which was another exceptional game for mod support that. Despite the fact that they're old games, despite the fact that, you know, they're, the base game is, is, you know, varies between either not good to good, but the longevity out of those games 
if I were to see another game in that vein emerge with a simple modding system that I knew and I, I really believed that a modding community of normal everyday people would go out and do the kind of stuff that people in the early 2000s were doing with this game, I would be more stoked about it than, you know, seeing another AAA title come out. Where do you, where do you stand on that? It's, you know, it's so interesting. And it, it, like you said, it's all about the community. And when the community is amazing and they get in and get under the hood, uh, you can see some amazing stuff come out. And, uh, you know, one of the chief examples is Fallout 4 on the PC. Um, you know, mods that extend from um, gameplay elements, creating a hardcore mode, you know, making the survival more realistic where you have to eat and drink and manage all this other stuff down to just beautiful textures, re retype, like basically doing, uh, the work of the developers, you know, retexturing the, uh, the wasteland, um, to something that is just gorgeous, making it darker, adding enemies. And I think a modding community can take a game, uh, you know, from a seven to a 10, uh, and you really can build the game you want. So well, my idea of Fallout being perfect and your idea of Fallout being perfect is so different that you couldn't please us both, but with a, a healthy modding community, uh, you can make that work. Yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, I want to I want to draw just a little a little note here because, you know, Fallout 4, um, even let's talk about Skyrim. Let's talk about um, what's the friggin' Bacursed one before Oblivion, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> one thing that you know it's there's no doubt these games have exceptional mods exceptional mods that add exceptional stuff right that being said there's something about neverwinter nights for example and older games and that's that they're very simple to mod you don't need a lot of like creating a high fidelity game with high fidelity textures that could exist in today's kind of modern game ecosystem not for the layman Right, you need to have some experience to create a game of that level of sophistication. You know, even just the way that the environment interacts with each other. Games today have physics, and they have, you know, subsystems that run all manner of simulationist stuff that's going on. Right, and yet you've got a game like Neverwinter Nights that's just simple, man. Like if you go into the, and I've spent a lot of time in the mod editor, you can go in and you can snap together a bunch of environments and you can populate it with a bunch of enemies and you can type out some basic text for the characters inside. There's some basic behaviors that those characters can take and you can create like maybe not the most incredible from an animation and a, you know, and a whatever mechanics perspective kind of game, but you can, you can make your own story. You can tell a story and create something that's fun enough to plot through in kind of a Diablo-style hack-and-slash situation and come out on the other side and say, wow, I made that, that whole adventure or that whole module, and I did it you know, with the tools that were available. And there's thousands and thousands of people that have done that to the point where there's 15 years plus of community mods, community textures, community models. You can make... Just about anything in Neverwinter Nights, just about any storyline you could think of, right? It's like the closest thing to having D&D &D in a box, the entire spectrum of a human imagination in a game engine. It's pretty cool. I gotta, I gotta say, it's pretty damn neat. Yeah, and I mean, the, the distinction there is that like Neverwinter Nights made it so you could build stories. There's like a story building emphasis there. It's not just building a new bell or a whistle. It's like 
trying to give uh, players an ability to tell their own story and create their own module. And, and it's kind of unique in that field, like you say. Uh, one of the things that, that might be a challenge going forward, and, and I say this with some sadness, is two of the natural enemies in, in the video game wilds are DLC and business versus modders. Sure. And one of the first uh, big calamities that came up um, for DLC outrage was in Oblivion, they wanted to sell you horse armor. Oh, horse armor. Purely, purely cosmetic horse armor. That's a throwback. Something between $10 and $20. Right. And it's like, go fuck yourself. Like, are you kidding me? And because meanwhile, there's already a modding community out there that's like, yeah, I'll make the horse armor for everybody for free and business is suddenly going like oh they're making content for free how are we going to sell it to them um and you, you see that that it's like when a game has got so many such an enthusiastic modding community already built in how do you feather allowing them free reign to create in your game to the joy of everyone and still selling them stuff yeah i mean you know, obviously, horse armor is an old question. It's an old trope, right? It's an old, an old issue, and it's 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 not brought up that much, except to draw an example, like you've said now. But it's a real thing, right? Like it, it is an issue where you've got, you know, people who are creating a game and planning on monetizing that game with additional content, and if you have the infinite masses of people. Um, with powerful enough tools to get in there and do it themselves, they will. They'll do stuff that, frankly, ends up being more appealing than the stuff you can make officially. The the thing that's kind of uprooted that whole conversation and made it kind of a non-issue is games are just too damn complicated for you know your everyday modding community to sprout up and just get creative with. Right? There's not a lot of games in recent memory that even if they had some sort of you know. Um, accessibility to the game engine or accessibility to, you know, a level editor tool or something like that. There's not a lot of games in recent memory um, outside of, you know, indie titles, for example, that would be easy to jump into and and have anything short of a professional modding team get in there for. Because make no mistake, like a lot of Skyrim mods, for example, are done, the, the, the good ones are done by modding teams, right? And it has to be because it's a high fidelity 3D world with a ton of shit behind it. You know, it's not yeah. a simple game like Neverwinter Nights, you know? Yeah. Which is an overhead, isometric, pretty low graphic, you know, kind of game that suggests a lot of things like opening doors or opening chests or what, even just simple stuff like that suggests it by you put your cursor over it, you right click, it plays a little animation and it doesn't interact with the environment at all, you know? So it's just it's a it's it's a kind of an interesting thing to wrap your mind around in that this was created in an era where we were just moving from, you know, games that were kind of abstract because they had to be. You couldn't simulate a lot of the stuff you can simulate today. And, you know, a modern RPG like a Dragon Age or something of that sort. This existed right in the middle where there was enough simplicity for a legion of modders to get in there and make a shitload of content and for you know uh, the professional guys to go in and do the same thing. So long story short, I'm stoked to get back into this game. It's got not only some really solid, like endless, frankly, solid single player ability because you've got you know 15 years of single player campaigns and modules and adventures that you can install. You've got your own that you could do. You've got not only um, 
the expansions for the base game, which is Shadows of Undertide and Horde of the Underdark, which had way, way, way better storylines than the original. Uh, there's also like some additional standalone modules, like Endless Dungeons, and there's a pirate one, and there's a Cormier one, and it's all, it's all good in the hood. Lots of content. And then you can also do local multiplayer or, or remote multiplayer with like a, a controlling player. So a player that kind of orchestrates the Takes environment. The DM chair. The DM chair, yep. Or you can play on one of the persistent servers, which by the way, there are still many persistent online servers for this game, which is pretty cool because really? it's very old. Yeah. And they're basically wow. like MMO lights, right? People go in there and they've made this like living world and you know, they have people that maybe are moderators. They can jump into the game and spontaneously make events happen and stuff like that. They have their own fiction. They have their own, you know, server, um, etiquette and, and story and what have you. Uh, and yeah, people play on that for, and have been playing on those for years. So for 20 bucks, you can pick up everything that Neverwinter Nights has to offer and probably have, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 to a thousand hours of gameplay available for you. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Sounds like a deal. Sounds like a deal. Sounds like a deal. Speaking of a deal, what do you think we, uh, we head on over to the real deal and hit up some smoke sesh? Oh, you're speaking my language. Let's yes, jump in. sir. Yes, sir. Let's head over. smoke sesh right holy big buds batman holy getting baked batman zap bang bubble 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 you'll not get away with this one smoking jackson smoky jackson the newest batman villain <laughs> subsequently <laughs> they had to reboot the series and fire that comic book artist yeah, he was done. That was it. It's your last day. You brought in Smokey Jackson, bringing shame to the end of a 236-run issue. Clear out your desk. You'll never work again. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Dan, 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 I think it is just about time. I am running on empty, as they say. Um, and I think a little little Weedo, Weedo pick-me-up will be just what's needed. Yeah, you're, I think you're right. Uh, we, we asked the question with this podcast, what is it like to work a, a full day on a Monday and then record a podcast. And the answer is, it goes all right, but maybe it sags a little bit in the middle. <laughs> a little bit of, a little, you see, you hear me quietly fall into a, a kind of coma near near the end of that second review. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna need some oil. Oil can. Oh, bring it in, bring it in. It's like building a lean-to in the woods when you've not been prepared to do so. You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're building it and there's a lot of gusto in the beginning, but right around building the roof, you realize that there is just this inevitable, ooh, this inevitable little bump in the middle, and you got to prop because that you're up. Wearing, you're wearing khakis and a button-down Oxford, and you have your laptop bag slung over your shoulder. Yeah, you've like you've gone down in the plane, but you haven't gotten rid of your MacBook yet because you're not at that stage. You're still you're civilized. Not, you haven't the the reality hasn't dawned on you yet. You haven't made body armor out of your your QuickBooks Pro. That's right, but. But with any luck, you have one full suitcase of your carry-on is a big old bag of reefer. As long as it didn't kill Timmy on the way down. Oh, no. Poor Timmy. <laughs> poor Timmy. She warned you, Andy. 
She said, I'll see you in Vegas. And I said, I don't think so. This plane is going down <laughs> over Guadalajara. You know what she meant? She meant, I'll see you in hell. That's, that's really that offer extends all the way past Vegas, notwithstanding into hell. I'm 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 glad you didn't wake up to like a monographed Delta Airlines retirement pin in the back of the neck. That's all she could muster. Like it wouldn't kill me, but it would be really uncomfortable and probably need to be well, surgically removed. I'm picturing like a hat pin, like a serious pin, like not just like a lapel pin. Like this thing, this thing could kill a man. Oh, that's like that's like uh, Assassin's Creed kind of shit right there. Yeah, when I'm in my rich fiction, you die is what I'm trying to say. She takes off her curt little, uh, curt little Delta Airlines handkerchief that she's got tied around her neck, even though she's not on active duty, it's still there, and uh, just just promptly strangles me to death, leaving the kerchief around my neck as a warning. And uh, she says, uh, "The captain seatbelt light is still on." <laughs> oh, bless you. Crazy former air stewardess lady, we salute you. Oh, oh, Andy, you waited halfway through the episode for the salute. I'm, I'm gonna say it. I'm proud of you. Thanks, man. I'm taking the high road. I'm proud of you. And speaking now, of taking the high road, I'm smoking on some big bud today. What do you got in your chamber there, my good man? Boom. I'm looking down the barrel of a new friend, Mr. Guava Chem. Guava Chem. Now, is that a real thing, or did you pick that up at the uh, exotic? Uh, fruit stand on the corner um that would be a very exotic fruit sta- stand the kind that uses high grade uh chemicals to make it happen um no this got uh sent to me um in the mail mm-hmm. um and uh it uh, it is what it says it is i hope oh all right i i hope so also i mean the, 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 <laughs> it would be sincerely bad news if it wasn't if it ended up being motor fuel you'd uh, you'd be smoking on some sadness now I'm no I'm no bud pro, but I this is indeed marijuana. I'm certain of it. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Um, it, it's not a small crustacean. It's not a it's not a hermit crab. That's it's not, for it's sure. not a house plant. That's for sure. That's for sure. This one is not set to stun. Uh, in the interest of getting along into the part where we ignite these bad boys, I'm going to jump into my my little bud sensation here. What Please do we do. got? We got some big bud, and so. Um, I understand from what I've been told about Big Bud that this should be indeed a Big Bud, but I actually have a quite a little Bud here, so I'm not sure if I've <laughs> not sure if I've been big, big Bud Mini, Big Bud Mini. I'm not sure if I've got st- uh, stuck with a little bit of trim or what the situation is. It's a small, tight little Bud, but it is little indeed. It's not like some of the big broccoli I've been getting from Broken Coast lately. Um, mm-hmm. This guy mm-hmm. is slightly slightly pale, but nicely crystalled up. So we got trichomes all over this bad boy. It does look nice and frosty. Um, we've got some faint little orange and yellow hairs dotting throughout. It's a tightly packed bud. Let me crack it open into the middle. Oh, nice and fudgy on the inside. And okay, that's an interesting smell. It's grassy. It's got a grassiness to it, um, like a herbaceousness. And uh, maybe a little bit sweet, more like kind of like a sweetie skunkiness. You know, I mean, a mm-hmm, skunk mm-hmm. is a is a pretty common common note in in cannabis, but this is like a sweeter kind of skunk. You know what I mean? It's it's pleasant to breathe. Um, yeah, I, I'd say that it's it's kind of herbaceous and a little bit skunky. That's that's what I'm picking up here. And um, yeah, I'm excited to excited to chow down. What about yourself, buddy? How's this? What is it? Coconut uh, mango surprise? 
That's exactly what it is. We're talking about guava chem. And right. This, I got a, a really tall cola. This is a really long sort of finger-shaped fella. Um, you know, a nice smattering of um, trichomes through it. A little bit more leaf than trichome. Um, it is mildly dusted. It, it has sort of the white fringes frolicking about it. And uh, this one looks like it's been pressed a little bit. It's been a little bit crushed down. Not quite as bad as um, the, the, the weed that I smuggled into Edgefest in 1999. But, I mean, it, it has been stepped on a little. Let me just go ahead and get a nose on this thing. Um, there, There's a, some lawn care smells in here for sure. Oh, you're the weed man. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just like with some gentle machine gun sniffs. There's like a little bit of like uh that that like that sweet citrus, but not like not a lime or a lemon or uh, an orange, but like as the name suggests, like a little bit of a tropical fruit. So I don't know what. Have you guava had guava? I've never like. You have never had guava, have you? I have, but like to be <sighs> honest, like if I were to try and summon the flavor, it'd be tough. But what I am smelling is is a generic, like a more generic, um, sort of like somewhere between papaya, mango, like in that region. Maybe that is a guava smell. So guava um, is having. Uh, da, da, da. Google says the fruit's taste is like a combination of pear and strawberry. There you go. That's neat. That's a neat. Actually, that's that's a pretty exotic flavor. Yeah, for sure. And but you know, the, I gotta tell you, the dominant smell on this guy is grass clippings. Grass clippings, like an old bag of grass clippings, dude. I am so <laughs> looking forward to the middle of summer. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm gonna mow my lawn. It's gonna smell like grass. I'm gonna smoke on some grass. It's gonna be a, just a beautiful time. I'm ready I, to be I, out from under this blanket of extreme weather. We, I think, we appreciate the sun and the heat so much more because we're without it you know absence makes the heart grow fonder and uh you know i will be hypocritically in the dead of august complaining about the heat but right now i i miss it like a a, a lost tender lover mm. uh and if you if you go down to la you go down to san francisco and it's like 20 degrees i'm wearing shorts everybody else is wearing jacket and pants and i'm like you fools you don't know what you have you know what they say what do they say? Absence gives you a boner. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get chiefing down on this guy here. Oh, I'm sans lighter. I'm sans lighter, Dan. Uh-oh. I mean, listen, if I could have any superpower, just for the record, it would be the ability to blow fire out of my fingertips. Because, like, think about it. Go ahead. Please. How close is the stove? Uh Oh, yeah, no, I can't light this. I think I just... One second. Let me, let me jump out of here. Dan, say something entertaining. Let me tell you about a very old bridge at the end of Smithwick Street. It's the bridge where I met Martha. She was but a girl then, no taller than a sunflower plant, that was of an exact height of four feet nine inches, wearing a blue dress and a saffron in her hair. Please, God, tell me you're back. I am back. I don't know, oh, what, I don't know what kind of unholy litany of terrible you've unleashed upon the world, but... I'm going to be honest, Andy, I panicked a little bit, but um, it's okay. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything untoward, I don't think. Listen, the safe word is pineapple. It is indeed. All right, here we go. Going deep on some big bud. Let me give you the first impression. 
Uh, we'll tell you a little bit about this. What is Big Bud? Developed Ooh. in the United States of America Jeremy. before being brought to the Netherlands in 1980. To survive the war on drugs, Big Bud is a legend among growers for its high yield in the garden. Preserved to this day by Dutch breeder Sensi Seeds, this indica produces massive buds with very few leaves, unmatched by any other cannabis variety. With an earthy smell and spicy aroma, Big Bud delivers deeply relaxing full body effects, true to its indica lineage. Ooh. I gotta tell you, oh, hey, hey, hey there. This is, uh, oh, oh. I coughed and it <laughs> cracked my spine a little bit. It was nice, nice little release of nice. pop. Yeah, um, spicy is is absolutely here. In fact, that's all I'm tasting on the tongue. It's like, you know, the concentrated spiciness of cinnamon hearts. Mm-hmm. So without okay. without the cinnamon flavor, that sensation is what I've got going on on my tongue here. Ooh, a little hot mouth. Yeah, it's interesting, and then it's kind of like lingering and prickling a little bit in the back of my throat. It's tasty i wouldn't call it the tastiest strain there's not a lot of sweetness in there which is typically what Mm -hmm. makes that you know mellow smooth delicious um smoke but this is interesting it it kind of it's clean after i exhale there's not a lot of flavor left on my tongue again it's just just the sensation quite good quite good Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what Uh, are the uh what are the dominant flavor notes the domination of the flavors is as follows pine earth and that skunkity skunk you were talking about oh yeah oh skunk in there really yeah oh thank you leafly for proving me right that's always nice when that happens correct yeah. Yes. This uh, um, this tastes like fiery fire roasted peaches and uh, and peeled, peeled almonds, and then you end up with yes, I mean diesel, pungent, and that's usually what happens. But this time, this time I got skunky. I'm happy about that. You got that skunk in candy. I'm gonna I'm gonna see what this guava chem has to say. Oh yes, let me pull up the leafly one second. Guava chem. Guava chem sounds like a coworker. Like that's the name you give him, right? But to other people. To you, he's just Kim. But to Kim, who sits next to you, he's Guava Kim. I got to be honest with you, Leafly, you're leaving me kind of cold here. What is Guava Kim? Guava Kim is a hybrid strain that competed in the 2014 LA Cannabis Cup. Period. That is an uncharacteristically vague that description. Is maybe the lightest, floweriest most tropical weed i've ever smoked really that one was so gentle that one was like that one was like someone dangled a hanky across my across my lungs oh gently wisping across i that is the lightest that's like the opposite of like a durban poison the opposite of a big stinky kush like that that one just waved in a passing car Oh, beautiful girl! You found yourself a compatriot, girl. girl. A girlfriend. Oh yeah. yeah, that was. And I was telling you a little bit uh, uh, in the pre-pro, in the in the pre-show, that uh, my lungs are a little bit in rough shape. I'm yes, maybe sneaking around a, a cold, and and that was 
extremely kind to me. You didn't need a um, Swedish massage. You needed a you needed a hug and a nice cool glass of water. I needed some of that aerosol water mist that you can buy. Like it's just water. What flavor? I've seen this? Go for it. No, it's not. It's just like a- Avion like spray mist. So, Listen, like, if there's no like, if there's no cucumber in there, then I call shenanigans on the relaxation. Have you gone deep enough that you're like? <laughs> You're, you're drawing forth some scented, like it's a strawberry mist. It's a strawberry. Uh, Listen, get me cucumber or give me death. Or give me death. <laughs> um, tropical, I demand a level of comfort. Tropical, flowery, and orange are what you're dealing with here. And uh, our good friend Super Ocean 9 has this to say. Lucky to find this outstanding strain in soft, pressed hash form. Really easy on the throat with great, uplifting, relaxed mindset. Ooh, I'm in for happy Dan. That's exciting. <laughs> Dan's the, always happy. Oh, on. I know you are. I know you are. The absence of any couch lock makes for a truly fun experience. Ex- I can actually feel this in the bottom of like my, my lowest abs, like as like a smile across my stomach area. Mm. And like that's usually I feel at first like something melting down my head and shoulders. This is like coming from my root chakra and heading north. It's opening up your fifth and sixth eye. I hope not. Oh. I it took a long time to close. It took a long time to close. Um, dude, I got to say, so the, the sensation of relaxation, it's familiar, right? Because this is an indica. Um, it, it's making no... Making no um, making no pretenses of being anything other than a nice, mellow, melty couch lock indica. And so the relaxation is definitely familiar. But I will say it, it seems to be radiating from my chest as opposed to usually where I feel it is in my shoulders and my neck. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, it seems to have kind of spread as a, as a relaxation mechanism just a little bit more, a little bit more readily. Pretty happy about this. Enjoying Solid. it. Yeah, what about you? Yeah. How's, how's that, uh, how's that uh, yeah, guava chem hitting you? No, it's, it's right about what it said about no couch lock. I'm not getting any of that melty. It, it, it really is. It says hybrid, but I, so far I'm feeling that straight up indica. And this is a nice uh, like adjustment to where I was at. Where I was at was fine, um, but it sort of just took it a little further and didn't didn't put me into sleepy town. And don't don't get me wrong, a night, I like a, a nice chilled out bake. Um, but this is going to swing the other way for me, and I'm, I'm pleased to, to have it. Yeah, well, where else but a tropical island with a little bit of guava can you swing the other yeah. way? This is coconut in the sun, uh, you know, on a recliner um, type vibe. Just really, really enjoying the, su- the bake. Nice. Well, uh, I brought some snacks, Dan. Ooh. Yeah, I brought some snacks in the form of Heavenly Organics mil- Mint Chocolate Honey Patty. This is an in individually wrapped honey peppermint patty in a green package uh, made by uh, Fairfield Organics in Kyoto, Indiana. Well, bless you. You're you going to get fresh. Oh, let's, get fresh. let's open this up here. So we've got what looks like your standard peppermint patty, uh, sure. except I can see that honey leaking out around the corners. Nice dark chocolate. <laughs> Let me see. Let me get in on this. Oh, oh my! Mmm, mmm! It's got that that honey freshness, like a meadow, like a meadow being blown into my mouth through a shop vac. <laughs> That's both relaxing and upsetting. Yeah. And uh, careful, don't set that thing to suck. It's gonna go wrong. 
I feel like I'm turning into a bee a little bit, you know? Like this honey taste is so pure, so unfiltered that it feels You're as if to pollinate. I'm ready to grow some black and yellow stripes and get down to business. Now, here's a question. Do you feel that stinger coming mm. into play? I'm a stinger and a ringer. How about you, buddy? What do you got for the snack? Oh, man. Let me tell you, if you let honey dissolve on your tongue, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll just kind of uh, splash out as the concentration of saliva in the honey thins it out. It rapidly splashes down into the corners of your mouth, and it is just Andy. a wonderful little treat. Andy, I don't want to eat my snack anymore. <laughs> you ruined it for me. <laughs> uh, what did you bring? Mm-mm. There's all these ads. You always hear them referencing how much great saliva that their their <laughs> snackological product does. You'll be unbelievable about the saliva that's running down your throat. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. If there's something that juicy uh, Tim's breakfast burrito. If there's so much saliva. <laughs> if there's something marketable about uh, you know about a feature, I want to make sure it's on there. We'll make you salivate. I believe is what they put on the package. And you know what? In your current state where dry mouth is an issue, I know you're you're taking what saliva you can get. What 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 God is blessing you with, you're picking up. He's putting down some saliva. I am picking up some gratitude. Mm, I love it. Okay, so today I'm bringing to bear some coconut mango bliss granola Aww. from the Georgian Bay Granola Company. Straight from the island. How amazing. Straight from the island. That's incredible. You've rolled in with some guava, some coconut mango bliss. You were ready for a day at the spa, weren't you, Danny? I just wanted to relax. Oh, um, man. He's already got cucumbers on his eyes, folks. Now, this thing is made in our beautiful Perry Sound, Ontario. Oh, yeah. The epicenter of vacations. That's right. And uh, this granola is right on point. It is podcast death because of all the crunching. It's kind of an endearing crunch, really. The only thing it warns you is to leave it in a dry, cool place. Because it's not good in a boathouse for two weeks. Leave it in a dry, cool place. All right. How about the flavor, Dan? You want to get us there? Well, it's a menagerie of oats, cocoa nut, and uh, mango. And it's held together by no gluten. There's not a gluten in sight. And I checked. I looked high and low for that gluten. No gluten's in there. It is nary to be sound. They snuck a couple sunflower seeds in on me, and I'm not angry about it. That's cool. Um, And the shape... Yeah, and the shavings of coconut are real. They're fingernail-shaped or Uh, shy. That's that's how you know they're the good ones. Hardy. When it looks like Graham Graham's fingers have shed their nails into your cereal, you know you're in good shape. Oh, why are you bumming me out? (laughs) Saliva than Grandma's nails. I don't know. We're on a gross streak, apparently. (laughs) You know what this could really use? Some shredded octopus just right in there. (laughs) Doesn't need to be cooked. Just a nice, chewy, upsetting crustacean. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that just be heavenly? And you know what it feels like to me? It feels like it's time for the dank dive. Uh, you are more than right, my friend. So listen, The Witcher Season 1 is coming to Netflix. Oh, Geralt. Geralt. <laughs> <laughs> it's Geralt. As, it is Geralt, which sounds like a horse's name if we can all be, if we can all be honest. Um, but 
So uh, the first season is looking to shape out to be eight episodes long and will be shot in Eastern Europe. Um, because let's be honest, uh, to paraphrase the creator, this show couldn't take place anywhere else. They said the same thing about Hostel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you're going to get kidnapped and sold to a, a sheik... You're doing it in Eastern Europe. Um, so, regarding the tight episode count of eight episodes, um, the show creator uh, and showrunner, uh, Lauren S. Hisrich, says, It might not seem enough for you, but creatively, it's the right call. The episodes can be tight, action-packed, rich in character and story, without lagging in the middle of the season. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to you. Uh, she said in a, in a, what I will call a direct tweet. <laughs> uh, I gotta say those last, that sign off was, was kind of strange. Well, sounds good to I me. Say? Sounds good to you. That's a great she way to end it. She tells you how it sounds. She's <laughs> like, you like, I like it. You like it. I like yes, it. Ma'am. You like it. That's a very forward way to sign off. Lauren, That's, you got some, you got some stones, my girl. She's channer- channeling uh, Geralt right now. She's channeling. She's in there. Like. That's it, man. That's it. Um, now, you know, I'm Andy, really interested in this. Fe- oh, how do I feel? Uh, how do, Andy, how do you feel about the eight episode uh, uh, episode mark? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I find actually Netflix shows tend to suffer from being just a little bit longer than they should be. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's my humble opinion that a lot of shows that are done in 12 episodes could have been eight you know? Um, and so I feel like the Witcher, although it has a super long, rich storyline, um, you know, in, in across all three of the games that it represents, and I'm not sure what the actual scope of how much Witcher content they'll cover, or if indeed it'll just be an original story set in the net in the Witcher universe. But I feel like at least for testing the waters with, with, uh, with Geralt, I feel like eight episodes is exactly the right length. I I couldn't agree more. And if I could, prognosticate i think they're gonna go the um game of thrones james rr R. martin tolkien route jo- and jo- yeah and uh and go ahead and play out one of the books uh and uh in general like start with the book sort of uh tempo and then uh, get a little loose with it if you want uh in in later seasons mm-hmm. right because it it's um it's a, a a book written by a danish writer i believe is the okay. like a series of books? Did you know that? No, no. So sorry, the Witcher video game is based on a different series. No, the Witcher the video game is 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 a character from a, a series of books, much like Lord of the Rings or or uh, Game of Thrones. I did not the know whole this. Universe is oh yeah yeah yeah, and it's interesting. The um, the writer um, sold the rights for quite a, a pittance, and uh, not really understanding what kind of empire the witcher could be made into um but uh, i think he's getting compensated nicely on his uh you know the the more recently uh, licensed access yeah i imagine so i mean it it does seem pretty wild like cd project red no matter no matter what you um you know what you want to talk about in terms of the original source content cd project red made a game that would be incredible despite lackluster uh you know source content and to be fair, I've always really been into um, the witch, the Witcher aesthetic and the Witcher world, I guess you could say. So, yeah, I feel like it, it had both going for it. Yeah, and uh, 
Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait to get uh, this deliverance. It will not be hitting the Netflix till 2020. So uh, buckle in and uh, and wait for the Witcher experience. Yeah, cool. So uh, Valve has actually purchased a game studio, my man. Oh, Valve. Up top. Yeah. They thought you were done making video games, but you're back in the ring for another swing. They're like, hey, Valve, can you make another video game? They're like, to be honest, we don't remember how. <laughs> so we got these guys. We like the games they make. So we're just going to do that. So the guys they they purchased That's amazing. was uh, Camp, Campo Santo, um, the developer re- responsible for Firewatch. I, I'm sorry. Zoom out a little bit to the scene of all of Valve sitting around a couch and they've gotten so stoned over the past, I don't know, 10 years, they can't remember how to make Half-Life. So that's why we haven't had a Half-Life 3. (laughs) They're just like, I don't know, man. Like, I think there was something to do with level design and Gordon Freeman. Fuck it, pack the bong. (laughs) They're like, hey, hey, Dave, did you do the sound? No, I don't think I did the sound. (laughs) What's the other thing? Uh, what do you mean? You know, the other one, the graphics. Mm, yep. Pictures. That was me. I was the picture guy. I was the picture guy. Oh man. <laughs> CD project red. Nope. Don't <laughs> so close. Almost saluted them. Oh. It's not time for that. Just I relax. almost saluted the wrong developer in this conversation. Valve. Everything about that. Everything about that was wrong. But what can I say now? I've already used my sal- valve. What's up? What's up? What's doing? What's so, um, Campo Santo made uh, tit- uh, the title um, uh, Firewatch. Um, I don't know if you played it, but it's pretty, the one where you're um, a park ranger. Unique. You are a park ranger. A pretty unique gameplay. A lot of like, it's very story based. It's it's very unique in the how it it does what it does. And I got to tell you, it's a gripping story. And, Is it uh, the story of um, hunting down bears that have stolen picnic baskets? Um, yes, and wearing inappropriate hats there's one with a fedora there's another one with a sombrero that's the, the kind of sick heresy that deserves to be punished <laughs> they're like it's a ranger hat or nothing i have to deputize you or you get out of this damn forest get out so um they're working on a new game called uh, in the valley of the gods uh that's going to come out next year and uh, i'll check that out in the meantime um fire watcher uh, or fire watch <laughs> It's coming to the Switch. Uh, if you want to watch that fire, uh, Andy, you can pick it up for yourself. Fire burning Switch. on the dance floor. So back to my my old steady crush, God of War, has had a fiery start. Uh, the UK numbers, which is where we get uh, our, who releases the numbers the first, uh, first out of anyone. God of War has unthroned Far Cry 5 from the top sales spot. Um, it also has had the best opening week of any of the God of War titles uh, and is currently sporting a 95 on Metacritic, which is the highest PS4 exclusive score ever. Sporting a 95. You heard it here. That's right. It's fresh. It's crispy. It's God of War. Will it unseat uh, Grand Theft Auto for the most sales ever? Certainly not. Sorry, Grand so, Theft Auto? Oh, Grand Theft Auto 5, right. Most profitable entertainment property of all time, right? Yeah. Branching Boy. everything. What kind of entertainment? Everyone. They all probably, of the things. Like, it probably depends how tight your um, your definition of entertainment is. I mean... But we won't we won't go too deep into that. Sure, I'm so. sure I'm sure they don't I'm sure they don't mean movies, but <laughs> they're not like <laughs> yeah. Um, that's you know what? Listen, I'm really pleased that God of War has had such critical reception. Especially, did you see that? Um, I don't know if it was a Twitter short video 
of the re the reaction of the developer of God of War, like the I guess the 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 project lead. I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but he he posted his genuine reaction to seeing the Metacritic score of God of War. And, you know, this is this is a really tender moment of a guy who's been making a game for five years and you can watch him break down into tears when he sees the review. So and even better, he comes out afterwards and has a conversation about how, you know, he wanted to he wanted to post this on social media so that people could see his genuine reaction, but also so that he could set an example for his son who's been had having a, an issue kind of crying or, or sharing his emotions with his parents. He wanted to show his son that, you know, even, even grown men can have genuine reactions on social media. So it was like, wow, he's like a triple, triple heartwarming tale. This guy triple threat. It's like a beautiful lesson to his son and, and, uh, and also a little bit of vulnerability and you can get it because the thing about Metacritic is you're not just reading that 95, you, the hits keep on coming. It's like there's 20 reviews, 25, 40, then 50 reviews all like best game ever, you know, yeah. nines and tens, nines and tens, nines and tens. I always thought that would be hard about like making a movie because you're doing a thing for a year and like, but you don't really know what you're making. You're like, I think it's good. It kind of looks good in the way when we put it together, but you don't know what the finished product is. Yeah. You know, I think making a game is a lot like that. So you're like, I hope it doesn't suck. Like, like, yeah, I, I gave my life to it for this many years. Yeah. I that's, hope it's good. It's crazy. You know, the, the idea that you could spend three years, four years, five years, making a game that gets absolutely torpedoed on the internet is just, it's kind of wild. Like you look at the guys um, who did, what the hell is the name of that game? A No Man's Sky, right? You look mm -hmm. at the guys who did No Man's Sky and, you know, whatever, there's there's plenty of drama and, and claims of false claims by that company. But And I hear actually they turned that game around a little bit, but um, you've got a big team of people who are launching into one of the most hype video game releases ever. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, you realize that the collective public has turned on you and it's caused one of the biggest shitstorms in, uh, you know, video game quality conversations in, in a very long time, right? And so it's, you, you, on one hand, you're like, oh yeah, it is shitty that this game turned out to be crap. But on the other hand, you're like, Man, how tragic is it that there's a team of probably, what, 40, 60, 100 people involved in this game that just went up in flames very publicly? You know, it's not, a, not an easy spot to be in. I totally get you. And it, I think it's perilous when it's a Kickstarter game because Kickstarting your game means making a bunch of big promises up front. Like, here's what we're going to do. Big, big, big things. It's going to be an open world and multiplayer and adaptive this and all these and and like... What you're saying then is definitely not true because no one's done it yet. And what we're going to do is like a maybe it'll happen. So you get to the end and they're like, where's all this stuff? You're like, I got eight of them. Close enough, right? <laughs> it's got, so true. I got eight of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's the nature of the beast where you've got a platform where you're desperate to have a game funded and made before you get there. And then once you get there, you've got the unique problem of needing to climb on the back of everyone else's false claims that didn't mean shit because they didn't get funded. Um, but you did and now you've got to deliver. <laughs> so it's a tough spot for sure. Right. And you're like, no one's ever handed me $48 million. Is this enough to do what I said? Like, I don't know how exactly how to price this out. It's how like, how many such private an yachts do we need to make this game come to fruition? <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, 
if you want to see who somebody really is, hand them 50 million bucks. <laughs> yeah. Or don't hand them 50 million bucks, run away with it, and then and you'll just, really see who they word, are. Take their word for it? Yeah, you know. I mean, listen, you steal $48, $58 million from any man, it'll show you the true stuff of his rage. Oh, it's his money. You took his money. You took his You're, money. You've, you've robbed Bill Gates. That's it. He's I like see. probably the only guy at that level. Yeah, Bill Gates for sure. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, so good news about some bad news. Uh, do you recall Square Enix canceled uh, their Final Fantasy VII remake months back? Oh, Squeenix, what did you do? Well, it, they didn't like what the uh, the developer CyberConnect2 was doing, so they, they jerked it back in-house, and they've put out some uh, recent word on Twitter that the remake that's now being seen uh, in, in their environs will be more than a remake. They're looking to surpass the original, uh, and due to the huge reaction, they're looking at nothing less than a new creation, not simply a remake. Interesting. I wonder what a new creation means in the context of Final Fantasy VII. Such a beloved game, the idea of rolling in and adding anything substantial to it is a pretty enormous risk. Yep. And I mean, I, I, when I hear new creation, I go, are they translating, um, you know, both combat and exploration? So essentially you have a brand new game that follows the same story beats, I guess. Is that is that what I'm being told? Yeah, I mean, that could be the case. It could be, um, I mean, it could be just an elaboration on the end of the game, I suppose. You could add on some additional, or add in some additional scenes to extend the narrative. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's some, some DLC options uh, in there, or, you know, the story that, that continues. I know Final Fantasy VII is one of those games that <clears throat> really gets down into the minutiae, but... Um, has some has some uh, pretty specific story beats. One of them being a twist out front. Like, what's the now that they're re-releasing? Andy, is it like a spoiler spoiler warning that I have to issue if I'm going to talk about the big thing that happens in Act One? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I mean, can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. Under lock and key. Can't talk about Dan, it. Dan, here's the thing. There's a whole new generation of young impressionable video gamers who this will be their first Final Fantasy VII when it comes out. And really, do you want them to know that? Beep. Really? Yeah, no, we shouldn't tell them that. Um, definitely not. Yeah, definitely don't tell them that. No, we Andy, should tell them, the though. What's that? Wow. 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 All right. Uh, Andy, what they need to drop from this <clears throat> game is the casino section or vastly revamp it. It's like a bunch of mini games. Uh, oh, it's a the good worst. Sub game. I enjoyed the sub game. There's like a uh, like a 3D submarine game that's in there. That's pretty good. The rest of them, mm, hot they fire, probably dropped. And because I was doing the completionist run, I played and beat all those games. Uh, and it was, uh, I'm gonna say, seven hours of hell. What was seven hours of hell? The casino. The casino section. Yeah. No, it can't be that long. I feel like it was. There's like a, a fair amount of chocobo racing you have to do. Yeah. I feel like maybe I'm grossly overestimating estimating it, but that's my Well, it's like it. you beat it when you were a kid, right? So, you know, 15 minutes at that point feels like 15 years. Yeah, I guess that's true. I beat Final Fantasy VII in one sitting, though. It was one 76-hour stretch. Sickening. Uh, yeah, so it, you're right. I could have been into a quite of a, a fever dream state by that time. Yeah, and some may say you've never really recovered. 
Mm, yeah, there's a there's a school of thought there. Learned at school. Well, Andy. <laughs> well, Andy, uh, I'm going to be picking up this uh, this Final Fantasy remake probably regardless, and uh, it's probably going to be all right. Yeah, it's going to be okay. It's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing, Dan. You know what I love even more than the dank dive? What's that? I love when people write us letters. Isn't that a nice mm. thing? Every now and again, we get a nice email over to purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. And it's usually very positive, And it usually asks some pretty interesting questions. And uh, Super 3, that's spelled S-O-U-P, Soup, or 3, which is making me hungry. He writes, hey guys, ridiculous show. I love listening after I smoke while playing League of Legends. Somehow my win rate has gone up while listening, which doesn't make sense because I spend a lot of time laughing. Oh, isn't isn't that nice? That's so nice. Thank you, Super Three. What is your all? Oh, he he asks, what is your all-time favorite desert island munchie? Peace out, dudes. So, desert island munchie, I am I have to imagine means like you're stuck on a desert island with it. That's got to be it, right? Yeah, I mean. That makes sense. Or, or else a munchie that grows on a desert island. I'm not sure. And I'm going to take it as like the question is, if you could only have one munchie, you know, what would you have? Because right. if it's like, I feel like the desert island like specifically affects it. Because if I'm on a des- desert island, it's probably like maybe a rum and coke. A Cuba Libre. Cuba Libre. So I can have that lime in there as well. I'm sorry. You're going to have the only munchie that you've got forever is a rum and coke. <laughs> Hey, listen, we're on island time, Andy. What I have is a, an, an, a rum and coke with a um, a sprig of lime there. And there you go. Like, that's all you need. You can get hammered and you can avoid scurvy at the same time on your desert island. <laughs> that's two birds. No, it's two and birds. I mean, with one stone. And here I was going like, to say grilled cheese sandwich. Don't I look the fool? The when you get res- rescued, you can, inevitably can throw a party because you got enough Roman cokes to go around. Like my second answer for like a, would be like a cinnamon bun. There's no such thing as a cinnamon bun party, <laughs> dude. That's amazing. You're. I love that you in the position of being trashed on a desert island. You're going ahead. You're being the change. You're enabling the creativity by uh, <laughs> by creating the possibility of it happening, and you've prepared for it with a party. You know what? And how else are you going to attract Jimmy Buffett from 500 nautical miles away? No, no. Jimmy Buffett is not coming for rum and Coke. He only drinks margaritas. I mean, when you're the Margaritaville guy, you've had enough margaritas. When somebody serves you this, you're like, I never should have wrote that fucking song. I got diabetes. Everybody calm down. I need a I feel rum like and, and- he's coming up to your island to save you, sees the rum and Coke, and sails right on by wearing a Hawaiian shirt and waving at you happily with 15 gorgeous women. Here's what happens. He goes, he goes... I'm like, do you want some rum, Jimmy? He's like, sure, you got Diet Coke. And I'm like, oh, and just <laughs> turns out the That's a good one. Oh, Can, my. Would you believe yes? <laughs> it's already disappearing. He's out of there. He's out of there. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with grilled cheese. No survival elements there. Probably scurvy and accelerated rate. But grilled cheese, whew, man, is it ever delicious. I feel like... De- like it's a good answer for like munchy, just straight munchy. But on like the desert island, you're getting sand in that cheese oh, every time. Oh, every time. Oh, and you it's not a jungle oh. island; it's a desert island. I think hell, hell is picking together. the sand out of your melted cheese. That's hell. Yeah, it's like yep. you know, in order for you to atone for your sins on Earth, 
an angel sits you in the corner and says, all right, here's four pounds of cheese and about two cups of sand. Pick every grain out, and then we'll let you through the gates. Oh, no. <laughs> you're, you're just fumbling in cheese forever. Mm, uh, uh, Sisyphus's stickiness. Oh, man. Yeah, that is. It sounds like the worst. Uh, well, uh, Super 3, that's a great question. That'll teach you for you your gentle misdemeanors. Party. Yeah, that'll that'll instruct you in the ways of the, of the land of the living. Yes, sir. What? Thank you, Super Three. Very nice email. Wakanda on fire. I see that. Do you feel like he's pro Wakanda, or is he like think, against Wakanda? I think like Wakanda's winning the college ball bracket right now. Right, like I got you. The, it's not like burn round. Wakanda. It's like like Wakanda on fire. You know, like. Like he's I'm wishing choose, it. I'm gonna choose to to not let that be. I'm not inviting the darkness. You're not. You're not inviting the dark one. Um, Wakanda on fire writes. Thank you, Purple Dungeon Squid, for talking so much about Far Cry Five. Oh, nice. Uh, the game was not on my radar, but after listening to Dank Dan talk about it, I picked it up and am having a blast. Cheeseburger is the man. Smoke on Andy and Dank Dan. Oh no, smoke on Andy and Dank Dan. <laughs> <laughs> that, that comma placement very important comma wow wakanda on fire i'm now on fire for wakanda on fire because uh i'm i'm glad to have been of service yeah i feel you know what i feel like you went deep on far cry 5 and we're all the better for it uh i would love to know how you fare with your feral bear across the countryside. So, uh, so let us know. Let us know when your victory arises. There you go. There you go. So, this past 420 weekend, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a strange piece of news. The the High Times Cannabis Cup. Um, I don't know. I don't quite fully grasp the rules here, the the legislation. But allegedly, they did not file for a marijuana permit early enough with the. Um, the, the county that the uh, the show is in in California. And so their entire event uh, was not allowed. There was not allowed to be any cannabis sold. So you've got... That's a tough... That's a tough... Uh, or, or officially enjoyed in any way, I think. Uh, so it's a... It is uh, <laughs> That's a rough stipulation. I don't know. I think... You can, have, you can have a baseball game here, but no bats. That's the only thing. NBC, NBC News says that an estimated 20,000 marijuana enthusiasts now face a cannabis-free 420 at one of the nation's premier pot festivals after a bureaucratic standoff. So I'm not sure what the actual reality on the ground was. I'm sure there were still many, many people enjoying cannabis. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty big damper on, you know, one of the high times cannabis cups, which is obviously one of the premier industry events. Can I ask you a legislation question here, Andy? Legislate How long me. do you think it takes to get a permit? How long does it take to mine a permit or construct it or draw it down from the heavens, however it takes? How long do you think that would take to get to get together well i don't know how long it takes to get together but legally they need to receive local approval 60 days before the start of a festival and i imagine they filed it later than that it feels like the county hates money yeah loves rules loves rules really big loves on rules them. big really ones. loves those rules but hates money and fun it sounds like as well yeah i mean yeah man Twenty thousand people were planned to attend you got wiz khalifa i think uh two chains rick ross you got some people at the high times cannabis cup so it's it's like a pretty substantial especially in a state that just legalized this year it's a pretty substantial cock block not not you don't love to see it you don't love to see it, it it's so funny because legalization means you're allowed 
to have it, but also means that you are being legalized, as in to say there's going to be like some channels through the bureaucracy of our legal system that allow you to pass through. And the permit for the event uh, in California is one of them. And that's, you know, that's one of the one of the understandings you need to uh, you need to embrace about legalization. Uh, it's it's so interesting. Uh, have you ever heard of maps? Uh, multidisciplinary it's a it's a they do research into uh, uh, psychotropics and and things of that nature but anyway he was talking about how yeah maps it's a research um group so anyway um he the uh, the guy who runs it was talking about how they tried to fight the legal precedents for so long and fight them in court and sue them but he's like the way they ended up getting it done is they went to them and said hey we want to do this research and we want to use dmt or we want to use um psilocybin uh and uh, mdma to treat say post-traumatic stress disorder and they're like we'd like to do that you know what would you need as an agency a licensing body to let this happen this is to the fda at the time and they're like well you need to make this much in a certain batch so we have, you can use the same stuff for everyone for years so like okay and it's something like they had to make ten thousand drums of it or something so they make like a ridiculous amount and they're like and you have to have it in a super secret vault and you need to have guards and all these other things like we'll do that too and they're like waiting for them to be like oh we can't do that they just said yes to all their crazy legal stipulations until they're like okay i guess you can do it and they're like well here we go and it's just interesting how that's what legalization means. You're like, you have to be willing to jump through the the uh, the hoops uh, and cut through all the red tape. And sometimes going with the flow works better than rallying against it. Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, anyhow, I'm sure everyone had a good old time at the 420 event. Regardless, I'm sure there was plenty of cannabis smoked. But yeah, whatever county was uh, was was non-compliant on that 420 event. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Be Come cool. On. Be cool. What's that problem? Come on. This just one time. Um, so this is an interesting little little element here. So Sea of Thieves, you're aware, the uh, Microsoft-only pirate seafaring light-on content game that released a couple weeks ago? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, on Reddit, there was some Sea of Thieves players competing to see who could find uh, the most treasure. And so if you don't know that much about Sea of Thieves, it's an open world PVP game. Again, a little bit light on content, but basically the whole game is structured around finding treasure on islands or through various PVE, um, like player against computer uh, pursuits. And then, you know, sailing that treasure around spending on myriad things and, of course, engaging in pirating activities or being pirated yourself, right? So uh, Long John Silver turns to one-eyed Bill and says, treasure hunt! Treasure hunt, yeah. I mean, it's a good so, old-fashioned treasure hunt. <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, this game kind of slipped right under my radar, A, because I don't own a Microsoft console, and B, because, um, you know, it just it seemed like it had been a flash in the pan and, and a little bit, again, light on content. That being said, I saw this contest going on um, and it's it's neat because first and foremost, the amount of time sunk into um, the, the first player and the second player and their fleets to go out and accumulate the amount of treasure that they did, which was whatever the number is, 274 units or whatever it is, was pieces like- Pieces of eight. Pieces of whatever, was between like 14 and 16 hours. So that's a long ass stint rolling around and collecting treasure <laughs> and the entire time they're on a ship that could be pirated by other players, right? So it's got that little bit of a blood pumping element where you're going through. And you know what that made me think of, Dan? What's that? It made me think of Eve Online. Have you ever, Ooh, play have you yes. ever played the game? 
the eve of the seas uh yeah i've dabbled yeah me too i mean it's the kind of game that's a lifestyle game basically it's a it's a sci-fi simulator where you pilot ships all over the place and get blown up by functionally people who are participating in open war or piracy against you very similar it's, in this it, instance, uh, two to of the instance. only games that almost insist on piracy yeah i mean like what else do you do other than become a pirate this one is unabashedly a pirate game so that's helpful but you know what i was thinking is eve had kind of a similar fate when it launched now admittedly that was a long ass time ago in the early 2000s uh, it's still going strong today but when eve first came out it was largely regarded as not being super impressive and there not being too much to do but fast forward whatever 10 plus years and they've got endless content and what's interesting about that game specifically is it's one of the most retellable games out there it produces some of the most interesting stories about emergent gameplay right like i don't know if you've ever read the the article um where you know it's it's basically a four-page article in pc gamer where they outline six months of subterfuge on on the part of like three or four guys who infiltrated an opposing corporation and stole, I think it was like $100,000 worth of goods if it were translated into, you know, real world money. Um, a heist. It's a heist, yeah. And it was one of the most fascinating gaming-related articles I've ever read, right? So I feel like maybe Sea of Thieves builds up some content over the next few years and becomes the piratey equivalent of EVE on a console. What do you think? Man, that's that's some lofty goals. I wonder if they get there. Um, it, you know, Eve to me has this like veneer where they want you to go deep. There's so much detail, and you know, see if these as it is right now, it feels like very fluffy, but in a fun way. Like right. I, I have not played this game, Andy, but I would. To me, it's like a Monkey Island MMO, um, and I kind of love that. Right. So you know i'd I'd hop on board and i think you'd have a good time you kind of just know you got to know what you're getting into and this one is also on the pc so i should probably give her a gander yeah i I suggest that you do um because i'm definitely curious about it but yeah i mean I, i feel like the lack of content is you know obviously troubling about the game but the idea that there's a community doing fun stuff like this um, you know, maybe points into the fact that there'll be some player-generated intrigue and 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 conquest going on as more and more features, uh, you know, roll out through Sea of Thieves. So anyway, time will tell. Do you, th- yeah, do you think piracy? Do you think like pirating around the Spanish Main is a better theme for an open-world kind of sandbox PvP political sim than space? What do you think is better? Well, I mean, space you can do whatever you want you can get weird in space uh you know as on one the, does uh, on a spanish galleon i mean you're kind of you're maybe hemmed in a little bit more about what you you can do but uh it's hard for me to put one ahead of the other i'd play both i think if you're in space it can get m- much more epic you you can have yeah i don't know about uh, that you know, I don't know about solar that. systems. I mean, solar systems can 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 be in in play. Yeah, Galaxies but at that it. point, it becomes a little bit too anonymous. Like I, I think I think you you zoom in a little bit more, and you've got you know some some battles between myriad uh, old old timey sailing pirate ships. You know, you could have a pretty epic scene that you can kind of dial yourself into, as opposed to the kind of sprawling systems wide Eve combats that happen in in space. Um, I don't know. I feel like they could both have a similar scale of epicness. But what about the uh, 
I don't know. What about the 3D space element? You know, space is, space occurs in, in 3D and, and piracy occurs on the Except open seas. Except when it's in 5D. You consider that. Is that an existential right. question? A uh, uh, supposition even. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, you know, I prefer a sea battle. I think that third dimension only translates well when you actually get in the cockpit and you, they treat it as you, you're tre- you treat it as like a pilot like an, like a, an elite a game like elite uh, yeah. dangerous or whatever yeah i think that translates well for me because then you really experience that three dimensions um you know uh otherwise it's kind of lost it just complicates things uh, yeah do you, do you like zooming out and, and controlling like a uh, a giant space battle is that something that's like up your up your alley um well i mean eve ha- almost uh always i think actually does always have you in control of just one just one ship so you can zoom out and look at a an epic space battle but if you mean like in the in the in the form of like a 4x game like what's that one sins of a solar empire i think that's the that's the big one yeah no that's not a 4x game that's like a real-time strategy game i think I don't know what a 4X is. You mean like 4Axis? Uh, 4X is like a more Civ style game, like Civilization, as opposed to Sins of a Solar Empire, which I believe is a little bit closer to like a Supreme Commander or uh, uh, what the hell is the name of it? Oh, or a, I don't know, Starcraft or something. Man, I got to bow at your your the feet of your, your game term knowledge. Last episode, it was... Uh, Andy, what's a theme park game? Because I was thinking Roller Coaster Tycoon, and you're like, explain it now. It's 4X, which to me is like a stock trading option. <laughs> and uh, what was the other one you said? Um, yeah, 4X or real-time strategy. Well, in RTS, I got, I got yeah, a scope yeah, on R- that one. You got RTS on that one, for sure. My, my grandpappy told me about that one, so that's in the Old bank. grandpappy, when he handed down his Red Alert. Do you remember Red Alert? Command they're and remaking Red Alert, buddy. They are remaking no. Red Alert. Oh. Yes, they are, buddy. I loved, I loved the um, the CG. You know the yeah. the no, it wasn't it wasn't even CG. It was like recorded. Rec- oh, the cutscenes. Recorded cutscenes. It was the cutscenes were live actor, buddy. They were incredible. Uh, Tim the Curry, eye patch guy. Tim Curry is in one of the Red Alerts. Um, one of the Command and Conquers, and it's like the storyline is moving to to space. That's like what's happening, and his line in it in the clip is probably the most ridiculous one ever having to deliver to anyone. And Tim Curry barely gets it out. He goes, <laughs> "We're going to the last." He's supposed to be playing a Russian. He's like, "We're going to the last place the <laughs> the capitalist cannot find us." Space. <laughs> and he like can barely hold in space. Like the laugh. <laughs> He can barely hold it in. Oh, that's incredible. Mm, worth a worth a Google. Space. Google that up. Oh. <laughs> he, he barely holds it together. That's so He's good. thinking about that check so hard, Andy. <laughs> you can see him thinking about that check. Uh, it's the last scene too. You know, it's he's like, like no it's one, like, okay, no one Tim, plays video games this anyway. Is a wrap for you after that. He's like, <laughs> I don't know if I can make it, guys. Oh my god, incredible, Tim Curry. Wow, um, resilient. Resilient doesn't begin to cover it. Yeah, those those were truly a abominable but also just so beautifully memorable command and conquer was oh. a real gem when they gave like they're like they recognize that the full motion video isn't going to happen yet the graphics aren't going to get you there so they're like we're going to put actual video of people and we're like we'll take it we'll take that for a cutscene. it yeah. is in that weird niche in the 90s where like the graphics weren't there to do like anything that would really really resemble a person so they just wedged some some uh 
uh, scaled down resolution video to you. Amazing. And you were happy to get it. You were you like, were happy fine. To get it. What are we in here? Two hundred and fifty by four hundred. That's a resolution I'm comfortable with. That's that's good. Tim Curry's face is literally uh, uh, seven <laughs> colors. He looks like Rocky it's Dennis. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, wow, quite the thing. Roll us forward, Andy, dear oh, God. Dear. <laughs> roll us down the hill. Um, dude, <laughs> this is an incredible this is an incredible thing here. So listen, I'm not and no disrespect to my to my bros in LA, but you know, the um, the upscale uh, bougie hippie culture of uh, of the West Coast sometimes sometimes has me questioning. Um, but Shh, you Andy, know Andy, this is our market. Don't do this. We need them. <laughs> right. No, but what I mean to say is High-end juice bars are not typically the uh, kind of the kind of spot I find myself wanting to spend time in. I look at juice bars. I look at people who like juicing, who like smoothies from a distance. I admire, I admire their commitment to fresh fruits and vegetables. I admire their fascination with antioxidants. But I'm not in that juice bar. You know what I'm saying? I'm just not there because I don't want to spend eight dollars on a juice when I got Tropicana. Maybe you're dehydrated. You've been on a desert island eating cinnamon buns you're recently rescued by dom <laughs> deloise and you need some hydration you need it bad in fact the only thing that's really gonna hunker you down in the way that you need to is uh you know honey cucumber and wheatgrass that's now, true then where are you turning sir i mean i beg to differ because i will be rolling over with the itis when they rescue me from all my grilled cheese sandwiches <sighs> okay mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Um, CBD has been recently found at these sweet, sweet high-end juice bars in LA. I think that's kind of a neat little trend. So CBD's, yeah, CBD's being put into pretty much anything. It's the new like thing. But I happen to really enjoy um, consuming CBD, and I feel like it gives a juice bar. It gives that clear, viscous kind of syrupy juice concentrate just the right amount of well-being that I, I feel like I'd be interested in trying it. it it's the um, highest credited actor in a particularly shitty play. You're like, nobody, nobody, nobody. Patrick Stewart, I'm there. <laughs> As Othello. <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, try to trace I am, it back. Trace I'm having it back, a hard Andy, time understanding where we got to this from CBD. The, CB, the CBD is like the star actor in a, bad, in a bad play. You're just going to see it. Oh, yes. So, hey, my our off-Broadway fans are loving that goof that I've just laid They're down. Feeling it. They're feeling now that it. you sent all our hippie friends running, I had to had to focus on our secondary audience. It's, it's okay, man. We've still got West Virginia. Hold in tight. If we lose them, it'll just be Ron and Super 3. <laughs> <laughs> and Wakanda burns. Oh, oh God. It sounds like his situation's getting dire. Can't count on that. Uh, I see. Uh, I love it. Um, Senator Chuck Schur... <laughs> Yes, get it. Senator Chuck Schumer is jumping on the legalized bandwagon. Now, here's what I'll tell you about Mr. Schumer. I had no idea who this gentleman was prior to uh, to reading about Mr. Schumer and his senatorial exploits. Um, But he's uh, he's jumped on the bandwagon with several other prominent New York folks, not least of which is um, I'm sorry, can't remember her name. She's the big fancy lawyer from Sex in the City, (laughs) Um, and she is Carrie Fisher. No, Carrie Carrie Fisher. That's the girl from Misery, bro. (laughs) Come on, that's that's not Carrie Fisher. No, wait a minute, Carrie Fisher is Wow. 
you silly, you silly sailor. <laughs> Carrie Fisher is Princess Leia. I'm, I can't believe I just made that mistake. Oh, that is wrong. Uh, who, Carrie? Oh, we can't do this live. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. One second, one second, one second. She is worth the. That's a very positive thing to say. One second. Oh, you recognize her Cynthia, her Cynthia Nixon. There we go, Cynthia. Oh, I want to salute you, but I can't. Cynthia Nixon. Cynthia right. Nixon. Yeah. Anyway, she plays the. She's wonderful actress, uh, running for governor. Governor. <laughs> Govern her. Uh, the governor. The running <laughs> running for governor of New York. Um, boy, I have lost the plot in Get a big way. Get your news here. Get it here, guys. Um, speaking of Chuck Schumer, he's like, yeah, he's second. Uh, he's basically second command at the Democratic Party. It's like him and Nancy Pelosi that are um, doing their best to right. corral Trump away from nu- nuclear war. Just keep him out of that side of the playpen. Let's get out of that zone. Um, yeah, anyway, so, you know, it's it's nice to see kind of some presence in the uh, the American Senate leaning leaning on a little bit. I mean, listen, they're the minority still, right? But the, uh, you know, leaning on that legalized Who, bandwagon. The minority? The, um, the Democratic the senators. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're... It like in terms of red and blue, it's more stacked towards red at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, that's how American politics work. They they hold less seats. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I've been holding seats all night. Mm-hmm. 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 Senator Chuck Schumer. Oh, <laughs> boy! Andy, hearing you stumble through American politics is my favorite thing ever boy because something you gotta know about Andy and I is I always try to talk to Andy about politics and he like the great friend he is will pretend to care for exactly 33 seconds oh man yeah stumbling through it I, I feel like I need to chug back a couple more shots of of eagle piss CBD wheatgrass <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you know need a little bit more freedom fries to get me there gotcha 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 Yep, yep, rich oily goodness. Andy, what would you say your your next comment is? <laughs> oh boy. Oh. Bring it home, Andy. Bring this Bring one it home. home. Bring it all the way home. Bring it all the way home. Good lord. Wow. All right. Nintendo Labo. Buddy, it has launched <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> you skipped the last half of that that Chuck Schumer article. I like that you bailed out on it. I'm just going to wrap it up. Chuck Schumer is now in favor of legalization federally. He's come out publicly and said it. And while I agree with him, the best part about this is that when he came out, he's like, we should legal it, legalize it, like deschedule it. And because also it'll give jobs to, um, uh, to where does it say, uh, prov- it'll provide... Uh, okay, I'm gonna paraphrase. Like works to uh, women and 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 minorities. I'm like, you didn't have to feather that in there. That wasn't just required. Just make jobs for everybody. Just Chuck, everybody what are you gets doing? jobs. He's like, he's like, sorry, the card says more taxes, women and and minorities. I'm like, just leave that out for once. No. Just talk about the good thing that we're doing. We're doing a Let's good all thing. All come together, everybody. All people. Uh, but he touches on important stuff, people's lives being ruined by a small uh, amount of marijuana, which is frankly ridiculous. Uh, being locked in a, cha- a cage for a flower that makes you feel good sounds like the craziest thing I've ever heard of. I mean, listen, that's he's like not some- wrong. That's something they would come up in the in the little town where it's illegal to dance. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, and this flower means you go to jail. You're mm. like, that's 
seems extreme. Um, so more power to him, Mr. Schumer. I'm glad that you're finally throwing your weight behind this uh, this thing. A little bit too late, but uh, hey, man, make the push. And he's smart. I don't know that it's too Don- late at all. I think that we're I think that we're in a, a great no, spot. No, it's a perfect time. The perfect and, climate and Donald- for this. Donald Trump just turned his vehicle into the direction of legalization, and it was only so he could flip Jeff Sessions out off from like the black window, just so he could like in his rearview mirror flip him off. It's just like kicked him out of the vehicle on the side of the road. It's like I don't know where I am. Too bad, Jeff. <laughs> uh, you're on your own. You're loser. on your own, Mr. Sessions. Nintendo Labo. So that thing came out. This is big news, actually. Nintendo Labo. Big I news. feel like I feel like it's the the quiet thing happening in the background that's about to explode because, mm. you know, I mean, Nintendo Labo came out, people kind of scratched their head and went, you know, what, what What's is this, this? thing going to be? And yeah. you've got some pretty cool stuff that's come out of this crazy card programmable cardboard toy that Nintendo yeah. has, has released alongside the switch. People are making all sorts of shit, man. Have you seen people are making musical instruments? They're making toys for their cats. They're pre-programming with, I think there's some basic programming available within the game. They're pre-programming functional clocks. It's like, it's pretty crazy shit. It's like probably the most creative thing I've, I've heard come out of any mainstream video game company for ever, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Pretty epic. They just turning it all the way up on the imagination side and that's bold, you know, it's uh, it's just a bold jaunt into a really creative direction and you know, it's always good for the space when somebody's taking real chances, uh, it, it, especially when they're they're doing so well. You know, it's yeah. you can you can feel like uh, you don't want to rock the boat when you got a good revenue stream going, but just having the courage to bolt something on in such a way that it doesn't cripple what the the good thing that the system's already doing, and just open it up to a brand new group of people. I think uh, Nintendo's going to be richly rewarded. I hope um, so. For this venture yeah i hope so i mean response hasn't been insane so far in terms of what people are saying now but it feels like if they move hard enough in this direction there's something definitely there that could be extremely interesting um like what what do you like what do you want to do with the labo like forget what you know about it because i don't know there's basic functionality uh you can you can kind of play with the joy con i want to say which are the controllers you can play off of the the controllers um in a similar way to you how you would with a wii remote you can um i believe turn the actual cardboard into buttons so that's how you would do like a piano for example so those are those are some cool basic elements that are available but like what would you what would be sweet do you think for a nintendo labo to do yeah, the, the the piano actually has keys that move. So there's like a mechanical ability that built into this thing. Um, what I would love to see is I would love um, to be able to be trained on a, a gastroenterological um, surgery on uh, maybe a giraffe. Uh, I think that would be really rewarding just to get that experience under the belt. That is a, an oddly specific simulator. I mean, it, it just, you never know when it's going to come up. Got to get that on the resume. I think it's the heat that my resume has been missing. Field treating a giraffe. That's what you need. Um, in other in other news. <laughs> no, I mean, with the Labo, I think that there's, listen, there's tons of possibility in terms of what you can do from the perspective of, you know, you, turning the Labo into interesting controllers and having a corresponding video game. Like, I believe that there's one Nintendo Labo kit that lets you, I don't know, use your controllers to simulate being a giant robot. 
right? And in the in the game, you are this robot fighter or something like that. That's cool. It's neat. You can imagine, you know, creating some interesting controls to do something as simple as flying a plane or something like that, right? That'd be kind of interesting. Um, I'm thinking about it now. What are you thinking about? <laughs> the controls to fly the plane you were saying to imagine. <laughs> That's very literal. <laughs> you know, maybe you could make a scuba apparatus, uh, you know, maybe a functional one. I, think I like that, that you're putting yourself in the shoes of my words, Dan. This is this is high praise. I'm in your word shoes. You're in my word shoes. You put on the word tie, the word hat, and the word shoes. <clears throat> I've got a word suit on. Mm, better than the sexual harassment suit. Um, I don't know. Lots of cool stuff that Labo could be doing. Uh, I haven't seen anything that's made me want to buy it necessarily yet. Um, but then again, you know, it's, it's not a, not a, definitely not uncommon for me to relapse on that, on that promise. Right. You've, you've said a thing, you meant it now, but then later shiny cardboard on the shelf, pick it up. And I feel like something you can, that you can really like spark the imagination of a child with, of which you, you, you got, you're lousy with children, lousy with children, right? Absolutely. So. And not to say you're not you're great with kids and they're everywhere. You got them you got them sprawled all around the house. You're ready to go with those children. <laughs> I just oh, you, take, so, take the, me home, Andy. I'll scream. Okay. Boy <laughs> almighty. Goodness. Okay, guys. <laughs> let us let us find ourselves back to the stable here. Um with one last little article from High Times. Every single week, Dan, every single week High Times seems to bless us with Top five things to do on XYZ, right? And mm-hmm, I find mm-hmm. those I find those articles the most dear. Because bless you, high times, you've been doing this gig for what, 30, 40 years? Long time. Real long time. And so I have to imagine you've written almost every article that could ever have been possible around smoking weed and the things to do while you're doing so, right? But bless them, this week, sure enough, nine activities to socialize your smoke sesh. And I have not read through this uh, through this list here, Dan, but I want to go through and uh, give it a thumbs up, thumbs down. All right, you feeling me? I'm feeling you. Number one. Let's, let's pass judgment on this. Yeah, number one. Chief down on a bone and go bird watching. Survey says. I love it. I love Get it too. Get a couple falcons on that easel. Get some falcons on your easel. No kidding. I feel like, Dan, I would love for us to be in a forest one day, smoking a bowl, and peering at some birds. Sounds peaceful. It does sound peaceful. High times, thumb up. Thumbs up. Thumb we up. have thumbs two. Up. We have two. Uh, <laughs> Before us, between us, we have four. We have four, four thumbs straight four up. Four thumbs straight up in the sky. Uh, number two, try out coloring. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Yeah. I've seen at last Christmas, there's a myriad of coloring books for adults that got passed around my family. Right. And uh, they're nice, intricate, beautiful designs. Get your pencil crayons out. Uh, you know, uh, just blaze to your heart's content and then, you know, make that unicorn really pop. That really does. That does seem like a super solid 420 activity. Now, I don't know if I'd want to do that socially. Like, I feel like it would be a little bit antisocial to sit down with your bros and pull out the beers and coloring books. You know what I mean? That that's a that's a solo or duo activity at best. Yeah, that's and that's a. I think that's a cuddler also. I think you get some cuddling mm. in there, so maybe not, maybe not uh, Andy and Dank Dan approved. 
But uh, I was picturing a lady sleepover, and I know that isn't inclusive, but that's just what I was picturing. Like yeah. I could see our respective partners getting together, like blazing down, and then like, getting into some coloring books. Like I could see it happening. Some coloring books. I feel that. I feel that. Number three, gather a book club. I guess. <laughs> A bunch of high Martha. people talking about books. I love it. I love it. This is incredible. So, let me draw a distinction. Thumbs down on the idea, but bring weed to your already happening book club. Thumbs way up. Thumbs way up. And you know what? They're actually suggesting reading out loud together. It's, High Time says, not only will the quiet types get to zone out in a daydream world, the not-so-shy friends can read aloud and keep the room giggling. Let the story come alive. Oh, yeah. Say. Unless you're reading, I don't know, Joan of Arc or something more dramatic. Thank you for saying Joan of Arc and not the other thing you were going to say. It makes me feel good. Makes me a better person. Number four, test yoga poses. <laughs> Dan, I think this is, a num- this is an absolute must do for us here. Namaste, no, bro. Actually, they got a picture of me and you in this article. That's us, is it not? It's us doing the, doing the perfect flying V. I like I like the butts pointed at each other and but in such a way that you can get prolonged eye contact and hand holding in there. Oh. These two ladies are are making a, a W essentially. Yes, they're making you a can picture that a W that if it were Dan and I would look like a big gay rowboat. <laughs> um, bleep bloop indeed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Number Your five. Jeez, oh, number five. Plan a high date. The girl in this picture doesn't even look like she's sure about this idea. And neither am I. Like, I think as evidence. I think this is insane. But, yeah, by evidence by the last <laughs> the last two two and a half hours, we know things can train wreck even with the best of friends. Oh, it's incredible. So to do that with a, with like a stranger or somebody even you don't know that well. I mean, you really telegraphing. You're going big on this. What if, what, what if, like, what if you've not in actually invited them, but you've just planned a high date as described? So you've planned a date where you'll be high, but the other person may not be. Yeah, like, is this a full disclosure thing? Are you both getting high? Are you just getting blitzkrieged and then meeting them like at the fair? That seems like- irresponsible. Plan a high date for yourself. How selfish. Yo, come on a date with me and then be secretly blazed. Low move, sir. Low move. You're like, they're like, they're like, you let them know. You're like, yeah, I, I, I blazed hard. They're like, what about me? You're like, oh, I dropped LSD in your beer. And you're like, oh, all those pieces of paper I've been drinking. Yeah, that's vanilla LSD. I drink all of those. <laughs> don't ever do that. It's not. No. It's a, it's a crime, sir. Don't, it's a crime. Don't plan that high date. Don't plan that high date. Um, you know, date high with a person makes sense. Uh, number six, hike a local trail. Now, isn't that whimsical? That's that's right along, uh, right along there with the other thing I said we would do in the woods. What was that again? Five Carolina natives that were found lost in the woods after a 24-hour manhunt. They were following a bird to safety. Yes. That's what they claimed. <laughs> Commuting with nature is one of the best activities to socialize your smoke session. I would agree with that, man. Is there anything nicer than you know being in a in a nice forested area or sitting by a sitting by a pond, sitting by a lake? And uh, and enjoying a nice spliffaroo with a buddy? I don't think so. 
You said it's instantly relaxing, total decompression, and it's it's such good advice. Yeah. Number seven is unlock a scavenger hunt. Never, never go to an event where more than fifty percent of the people are wearing fun hats. <laughs> that is a seventy-five percent rate of people wearing fun hats in this photo. Um, I don't know that Those a scavenger guys are pointing hunt to where the hat store is, where they bought their hats. Here is this the hat store? It is it's hat time. Hat time for everyone. Um, I don't know that I'd ever want to go to a scavenger hunt with a bunch of high people, or maybe no. I would. No. One of you is not making it back. That that sounds like the kind of activity where people would initially foray out, but they'd come back to the safe space where there were Doritos and water, you know, and that would just be where everyone stayed until it was time to go home. I feel like that's a situation where you get, you end up in like a, a Norwegian couple's quiet apartment building looking for like a blue toothbrush that you were sure you followed the clues to, but was completely fabricated. Yeah. Didn't I see that in Hostel? This is this is not a good thing you've done. No. Number eight. Okay. <laughs> the wheels, Start a dream the drill. Wheel. Womp womp. <laughs> number nine. <laughs> the wheels have come off. Start number a, nine. Start a dream journal with your friends in a <laughs> social... Come on. Mm-mm. Come on. High times. One <laughs> <laughs> should just say be the worst. Like... <laughs> It's like the, whoever's writing these articles is like, I'm going to lure them into a false sense of security that we're not going <laughs> to fucking totally troll them. Number and eight, number start eight. a dream journal. Dan, well, here's yeah. what I want to do the next time you and I are chilling, my friend. I want to sit down. I want to look at you in the eyes, man to man. And together, I want to start a fucking dream journal. Let me tell you. Mm-mm-mm. When anyone starts talking about their dreams, even about I love you more than anyone, you have 30 seconds to rattle this dream off and then I'm out. I give you 30 seconds of undivided attention and then I'm just like, I'll just start talking about something. I'll, I'll just give you the wrap-up single with my hand. This is ending. <laughs> it's absolutely nothing I want to hear about in your dreams. Oh. No, thank you, High Times. Number nine, host a special meal. Oh, it brought it back in. Brought it back into the driveway. Took it out for a, for a short stint with a DUI and came home safe. Mm-hmm. 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 Thank you, High Times, for not driving high. Um, okay. Just to the wilderness, but you didn't leave us out there to perish. I yeah, thank you. Number nine, host a special meal. Uh, yeah. Yep. Thing to do high. 100%. And on that note, Dan, I think it's uh, it's about time to shut this puppy down. What do you think? Bring her into the loading dock, my man. Ah, listener games. Questions. Listeners. Listener questions. Listener games. <laughs> games made by our listeners that you want to question from us. If you want to question your listeners or your games, or you'd like to play some listener question games, email us on the email at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. And while you're questioning those games, uh, send a uh, want to your friends about this particular podcast and how much you love it. Do you have two hours of commuting time? Well, we're there to bring you home. Yes, sir. And you said want. I thought wanton. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Keep it dank, my friends. Fuck, I am high.